Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. We don't like these people in the shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction, and mock them mercilessly. Take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and this week we are going to jump straight into the cheery topic of institutionalised child sex abuse. Yay! This is going to be a really, really hairy topic. It's going to be pretty heavy at times. So maybe skip this one if this is a bit too much for you. Bring something up. No, 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 Joel. Let's uh, let's uh, let's be a little bit more adult than this. We've 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 had a royal commission, a long running royal commission into institutional responses yeah. into child sex offending. There's not much that should shock uh, shock uh, our, our listeners these Fair. days. We know Fair. the extent of it, uh, and in fact, really, that's. The known extent of it, um, the 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 real uh, record will not properly be known, but um, we just uh, we just have to uh, try and get through it. We'll try and avoid a lot of the traumatic stuff, but um, it's an important discussion. Yeah, it's an important discussion, and I think we have it's to be, be as hard. frank and candid as we possibly can be yeah. uh, by well, being respectful to victims. Yeah, what we'll do is we'll throw some phone numbers in at the end. Uh, if anything in this podcast does bring anything up for you, we'll have a few uh, resources at the end you can mm. uh, you can get to and uh, and yeah discuss a few of the things it might bring up. Yeah, thank you, Joel. But we also uh, will be talking about the complete nonsense of fabricated fabricated pedophilia. See, the QAnon universe has deliberately used pedophilia as a weapon against their political enemies because mm-hmm. it's a tactic to get the punters in. Works. Everyone supports child protection and hates peds, so what better way of getting people on side? Mm-hmm. The disgraceful part is it, it sells real victims short and in a perverse way, the distraction actually encourages real peds to go on and commit their crimes. Yeah, I mean, if it's not Tom Hanks, it's not worth worrying about. Like, yeah, fucking right. ridiculous. So you have all this bullshit, QAnon and QAJs and stuff like Petergate and Frazzle Drip, which is this completely fictitious just rumour of a video mm. that depicts, apparently depicts Hillary Clinton doing horrific things, and they're pretty fucked up, to an unidentified child that yeah. just like... Didn't they happen. turn the horror of child abuse into some uh, just another yeah. chapter in their fuckwitted social media spy thriller cult bullshit, and they use this ultimately as a recruitment tool to red pill mums groups, the uh, wellness rubes, uh, and anyone who's very empathetic and a little bit stupid. A little bit stupid, and, and we'll get to into that in our deeper dive. But now we look at the week that has been, which, despite the dumpster fire of current affairs we live in, will be the cheeriest part of the podcast. <laughs> uh, here we are with a condition release program weekly news yeah five weeks after he posted on Facebook saying he deleted his Facebook account um, Facebook took matters in their into their own hands and uh, got rid of Pete Evans deplatformed him providing a bit of pre Christmas cheer for almost all Australians. See you later, dickhead. Yep, fucking don't let the door hit you on the way out, you fucking wanker. <laughs> and we'll deal with that uh, a little bit later on the week in Pete Evans. But in grimmer news, there was uh, what at face value uh, would seem to be a domestic terror attack in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, like, it looks like it's going to be some sort of lunatic anon type because, of course, it is anyway. But, like, you know, it's best not to make any kind of sort of sweeping statements no. because nothing mm. substantial has come out from, like, the official channels. But- 
let's face it, this is a podcast that likes to delve into the world of where things are a little bit fanciful yes, and, you know, yes. point our finger and show what fucking idiots these people are. So, look, there's a couple of things that make this a bit of a red herring. But the one couple, we'll of triggers, with couple of big is triggers, yeah. AT&T owns CNN and Trump has been basically right. saying that CNN are treasonous at best and, like, demonic mm. at worst. So, look, you tell them what it's about. That's one. The explosion occurred early Christmas morning, Tennessee time. I'm not sure what to make of it. The explosion occurred 15 minutes after the recreational vehicle, the RV, started broadcasting warnings for people to leave the area. That was spooky. It's online. Yeah. No one was was seriously hurt, uh, but it has caused significant damage to telecommunications in and around Nashville and the Nashville airport where flights have been halted and cancelled. So two things. The bomb might be seen as a distraction for another crime or it may be one of the pilled 5G mega clowns. See, yeah, that's what I want to speak to because there's a few interesting things here that people have dug up online. And look, honestly, it's the pretense that most of this is probably complete bullshit, but that's how this person may work. They may be living in a world of bullshit. So- when you discuss this, you've got to take away that traditional journalistic, you know, sort of impulse to dig to the bottom of this subject and find the truth because there might not be one. This could all be based on some shitty sort on parlor. So basically, there's a few things here, which is the previous owners of the building are also the owners of Dominion Voting Systems. So there's some sort of corporate overlap and there's some sort of board overlap. And while the building has since been sold, we don't know what this idiot's been reading. But there's also like the whole AT&T owning CNN thing, which is a massive link, but they're also yeah. setting up a 5G network. Uh-uh. There's also like a hilarious, ridiculous idea, which I don't have any reason to believe that Dominion Voting Systems were actually housing servers in the building. Yeah, look, face value, uh, there's a motive right there in the current political environment. Yeah, fucking hey. Well, MTL Leasing is a Delaware incorporated subsidiary of insurance giant MetLife, and they own the building. But I doubt ownership is the issue. Yes, I It could be, I suppose, disgruntled, you know, insurance claimant, et cetera, could be. But I'd suggest the motive will come from uh, who the tenants are. Uh, were lots AT&T. of angles there and plenty of red herrings. It was an ATT building, at least in name, and that's who the key tenants were. Uh, we'll know more in the days to come and keep you posted on it. Yeah, I think we'll be revisiting this one next week. So basically, uh, the next thing and very important thing that's on the tip yes. of uh, our fingers, how is the pandemic going in New South Wales at least? Well, what we have seen is a sensational testing and tracing program from New South Wales Health. And Gladys Berejiklian and her government will get the plaudits, but it's New South mm-hmm. Wales Health and uh, health workers who deserve the credit for jumping on this cluster. And New South Wales citizens as well. They've done well. Oh, I think so too, yeah. 70,000 tests uh, a day during the holiday period. It's, it's an actually astonishing thing. It's huge. And uh, just uh, to let our, uh, uh, our listeners know, what they do is actually test in batches of 500. So they'll take 500 samples. If they're all negative, off we go. Uh, but if uh, a, a positive is returned on a batch of 500, then they're individually tested. And where yep. they're found, they track down the positive and uh, – then the regionalised tracing folk move in to stomp on it. Well yep. done, New South Wales health workers. You yep. are my fucking heroes. Here, here. But others who are completely failed human beings uh-huh. have been making life hard for the rest of us, Joel. As we predicted in the last episode mm. about red-pilled Avalon dickheads, there has been one and there was always going to be one. Uh, whether we found out about them was another story or not. A 37-year-old from Bilgola Plateau, which is a, sort of a hill above Avalon, which yes. really sucks to walk to. Um, 
Went down to hang out with some mates down in Sanctuary Point, Sanctuary around 200 Point. kilometers away. Sanctuary Point in the southern New, southern New South Wales. So that's, uh, that's a good three hours drive. It's a long fucking walk. Yeah, oh, it's a very long walk. Uh, I don't know that he or she actually made it. Who is it? It's a she. And I'm not sure what the go is here. All we know is that a 37-year-old from Bogola Plateau went down to Sanctuary went Point. Went for a bit of a holiday. Took the and caravan. And the suffering. Park. Fucking COVID symptoms, fainted in a pizza shop. Fainted in a pizza shop and then claimed it was a spider bite. Yeah. Uh, in order Went to, to hospital. avoid and, and, and in order to avoid and refuse a, a COVID test. Yeah, refused a COVID test after being like in a hospital. Like you're in a hospital. There's someone there <laughs> with like the test kit in their hand. Yeah, yeah. And you say, No, I will not I do that. Probably this. something about George Soros along the fucking, you know, on the yeah, kicker. Yeah. We didn't get that bit reported. Mm. Got a $1,000 fine for leaving the area. But here's the amazing thing. Now, yeah. your brain might be going toward the idea of her being, like, you know, taken by stormtroopers to a hotel quarantine and, you know, like <laughs> jailed for a while. Not at all. Yeah. She's just out doing what the fuck she wants. <laughs> she gets a $1,000 on the spot fine. She doesn't Which even- she won't pay. Well, well, that will, that will come we'll with see. A, a fair share of problems for her if it, if, uh, it does transpire. But, yeah, $1,000 fine, not even taken into the courthouse. It's basically an on-the-spot on sort of fine. Mate, she's going to be uh, going around maskless, doing whatever the fuck she wants around oh, Sanctuary dear, Point. Oh, with yeah. any luck, she fainted because she's just a bit of a fuckwit. Uh, but if this is anything to do with COVID, we are going to have a serious cluster. What is wrong with this fucking person? Yes, uh, that's uh, that's a very good question. I don't know that I know the answer to that one. But uh, look, uh, I should apologise straight off. Uh, we uh, went uh, in the last uh, week's episode, and we failed miserably to pass on season's greetings to our listeners. And America says, "I hope you all." I mean, it's all past now, so I'm very, very sorry. I can't even say it. And uh, we'll, we'll have to move into the new year and, uh, and, and wish you all the best there. But we did, in fact, uh, endure uh, what is a terrible time for many people, Christmas. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, of course, Christmases have been ruined by Q. Uh, well, yeah, in some tables. I mean, I've been surprised by the lack of stories I've heard um, from people saying that Christmas was, in fact, ruined by Uncle Steve, <laughs> who decided to fucking pipe up and say that everyone's a fucking yeah. reptile. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it seems like it's fairly peaceful, but QAnon Casualties on Reddit has had a few interesting stories, and we'd love to hear yours if you've got one. Yes. Um, and I'm sorry, I find that really funny. Uh, so if you tell me uh, your Christmas was ruined by Uncle Steve, I'm going to laugh. So just, you know. Conditional release program at gmail.com. Drop us a line and let us know if your Christmas was ruined by a QAnon relative fuckwit. I mean, not a relative fuckwit. I mean, a person who is a fuckwit who is also a relative of yours. We'd like to hear from you about that one. Now, Annie Annie Vexes, Joel. Where, what have they been up to in the festive season? Uh, well, this is their fucking yeah. time to shine, isn't it? Because the vaccine's just been rolled out. Well, so, time is running out, yes. And it's really upsetting because there have no, there's not been any decent real adverse reactions. They're fucking waiting with bated breath for someone to have something go wrong. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't really happened. So what they've no. done is they've photoshopped fucking memes. They've made fake news articles saying that Margie Keenan and Tiffany Dover, the nurse who rolled her arm up, uh. are dying or dead. Yeah, uh, They've killed them off. They've uh, run the red line through their names, which is, you know, provably wrong <laughs> because both are still in the vertical. They uh, are. An astonishing, an astonishing piece of nonsense. Too. And you do have to understand 
Uh, and indeed, the New York Times reported today that uh, vaccination rates were very, very high in the United States. And that's because it is reckoned uh, that uh, people are watching uh, a whole host of people co- copying the COVID-19 vaccination. And as they're not uh, grabbing their hearts and uh, yes. falling over dead immediately, they think, well, maybe this isn't maybe maybe this is so something. Bad. Yeah, maybe I don't want to die of this thing. And maybe this is a, actually a good way of going. So... From there, we've got to extend the fact that uh, that uh, the anti-vaxxers, really, this is it. You know, you get yep. this one wrong and basically you have to uh, uh, push out into the extremes of society and, uh, and, and, and go and waddle about. Uh, go and waddle about in Byron Bay and not fucking annoy anyone else uh, ever since. So, so basically, yes, uh, this is it for the anti-vaxxers. If this they is their fuck moment. This up, yep. Yep, and they are lying their faces off. Fuck off back to the fringe. No yeah. one wants to hear it because they are. They're, these people are just liars. They're delusional fucking liars, and I'm tired of their shit. Ah, uh, yes. Look, in, back in, to the fringe. In, in, in more amusing news, uh, we've seen uh, those who had a bit of a lash on the Trumpster in the November yes. 3 election uh, jumping up and down saying, hey, look, I, I won. There was electoral fraud. <laughs> the Trumpster says so. I've got a betting ticket. How come I haven't got my wings yet? These fucking people, they are so delusional. And the thing is, is I've actually joined a whole bunch of um, like Betfair groups and all these sort of things where they've like started up these like, let's, let's, let's take it to the man. <laughs> fucking we won. This is bullshit. They've got actual lawyers involved in like drafting up letters. Uh, I Googled them. They fucking exist. And um, using their real, like, you know, real profiles, it's quite hilarious. And the, the, the delusion is so thick. That like you're almost like you're not angry at them in a way because like they really believe it. Like they've been so pilled that they just sit yeah. there going, "Mate, you they've know, I bet on the right horse." They've got they've got those uh, betting tickets. Those Trumpster Trumpster to win betting tickets uh, stashed away in their drawers, um, uh, and uh, <laughs> they think they're actually winning tickets. Look, I just want to say, if anyone. Holding a betting ticket with the Trumpster's name thinks they've been hard done by. I ask you to give me a call, and you will get a fucking stern lecture from me, not just on the politics of this, but on the fact that you have engaged in what is known as gambling, and it's called gambling for a reason. Do you understand? And you backed <laughs> the horse that lost, and that yeah. means your money is gone and it ain't coming back. It's over, Red Rover. Yeah, that's right. Look, I personally hope that a number of people have lost their homes uh, over this and uh, and uh, and and they and they have their, their meagre furnishings hustled out onto the nature strip uh, but look yes I don't really I don't really think that but I mean obviously there was a decent lash on the Trumpster and uh, just to give our Australian listeners a bit of context it, it occurred around about three o'clock uh, on uh, Wednesday uh afternoon, the 4th of November, Australian time, where the Trumpster actually became favourite for the very first time. And so this is uh, this is while counting is going on. And uh, and as we know, we saw uh, the Trumpster well in front in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin and Michigan. And these idiots opportunistically thought, I'm going to just bet on Donald Trump. I might be able to get him a dollar eighty, dollar seventy, dollar sixty. He got down to a dollar forty before the bookies sort of realised that Joe Biden had just gone out to about four bucks and there was plenty of value there. Uh, and really uh, what most of these clowns didn't realise is that uh, 
and 70, 80 percent of the vote hadn't been counted, and and we were really only counting the in-person vote, and we knew that the because Mirage. because yep. the GOP had insisted, had had taken, actually taken, uh, various state legislatures to court, including Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, and Michigan, and said you are not to count the pre-polls until we've done the in-person uh, vote count. And so, so. That was what we saw. We saw all the Trumpsters turn up because Trumpster had told them not to, not to pre-poll. And, uh, and so that, we were counting that. And, there were, you know, the, it fooled a lot of people, put it this way, including the media yeah. and including fucking idiot mug punters who thought they, could, thought they could have a bit of a lash on the orange one and, uh, and scud away with uh, a nice, uh, nice chunk of change. It was absolutely fucking stupid. I mean, the one thing that I always get back to here when you think about how the election shifted, and it has shifted on really the night of Wednesday, the fourth hour time. You know, I looked in on Pennsylvania counties and there was one Lackawanna County uh, where Scranton is, and Scranton is the home of Joe Biden. Now, what the early counting was saying was that Joe Biden was behind by 12% in a county which featured the city of his birth. And clearly that was not going to be sustainable. He was going to win that county, and he ultimately did. He won by about 10,000 votes in a very, you know, quite small count. And um, and so this was just, you know, this was just reckless opportunism from these fuckwit punters, and uh, they have lost their fucking dough and tough fucking shit. Some of them really, really went quite hard. I think these are the funniest ones because the ones who got really, really pilled, there's a Betfair exchange where it just takes 5% of the book and it just balances between the um, the two. Right. And it got to about 30 to 1 for Trump uh, in the last, like a week <laughs> yeah. or two after. Yeah, uh, even, even now, they're still putting money on it because they still, genuinely think. <laughs> so they're going at it and they're sitting there saying, I am owed $3 million. And no, 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 champion. For some weird reason, you just gave a bunch of Biden supporters yeah. free money. That's what you did. Yeah, that's you, what you did, and that's happened. You just, just, just put the bookies' kids through a very expensive private school education. It's so strange to watch. I mean, guys, it was over. Why? <laughs> what the fuck? But these guys are so pilled. Well, They're yeah, fascinating right. to watch. Go and go and find them online. They are oh, very, very it's funny. Just hilarious. And anyone. I'm not just that anyone who's who's ever had an issue with uh, the betting agencies and said, "Look, I know what the results say, but I still think I won." You just you you won't be you won't be online for long enough. They won't have yeah. a person listening for long enough to they can take any of that shit at it's all. It's very solicit logic. They have banked this money already. Yeah, it's fucking over. Well, look, that was pretty funny. I really like these guys because they're a fucking cartoon of themselves, <laughs> but. Unfortunately, have to move on. Yes. I would never have thought that such a terrible news week would be the pleasant part of the episode, Mm, but it was mm. and it is, and now it is time for our rather confronting clergy shirt-fronting deeper dive. So you have been actively involved in this. You've written a book, Unholy Trinity, which is the story of Dennis Ryan, the Vic Pol detective who tried to have a pedo priest charged and lost his job and a lot more over it. It was a fucking nightmare. Um, and this book you wrote, 
with Dennis, Unholy Trinity, it really led you down a lot of rabbit holes of institutionalized child sex abuse. You've you've seen and you've heard a lot. Uh, I actually don't envy that position at all. So there's a whole bunch in this. Fuck, it goes for miles. Uh, let's start from the top. What actually happened in Mildura? What happened? Well, look, it, it was basically um, police colluding with the church yeah. Uh, to on a very small, reasonably small scale, uh, police colluding with the church uh, to uh, make to ensure that a particularly unpleasant uh, pedophile priest in Mildura at the time, by the name of Monsignor John Day, would yeah. never be prosecuted. Yeah. And when that uh, when that cosy little conspiracy, there were we called it unholy trinity because there were there were three of them. There were Day, there was Day, there was uh, uh, the senior police detective in Mildura at the time, Detective Jim Barrett, real piece of work, and yep. uh, and and the clerk of the courts in Mildura, Joe Carney, and Joe Carney. Um, well, it might not sound much being the clerk of the courts, but in those days, in the 60s and 70s, Mildura didn't have a standing magistrate. So the officer of the court was essentially the most powerful person. Sorry, was the most uh, the, the the clerk of the court was the was the uh, most powerful uh, person within the court in, in Mildura at the time, and he was yep. able to manipulate prosecutions and do all sorts of things. So they ran okay. this great protection racket. Those three men, Day. Carney and Barrett, um, <clears throat> but it the worst element of it was that that Day was a prolific child sex offender. Um, subsequently, we know that uh, there are over a hundred towards healing claims. That's a hundred victims have come forward. And towards healing was like the um, the system that the church set up yeah, to give money out. Yes, not, it was. Yeah, uh, it was a voluntary it, it, thing. The Melbourne response runs through the Melbourne Archdiocese. That was a a, uh, a concoction of pals. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the bishops' council in Australia came up with an alternative, and that was called towards healing. N- not tokenistic of, payments. Yeah. Well, neither of them were satisfactory in any real way no. for, for victims. So. Um, so 100 victims, look, it's probably closer to 500. Uh, Day uh, was um, uh, uh, became a priest in the 19, uh, 1927. Uh, he, as, as far as I know, was an active pedophile throughout most of his life and may Jeez. well have been one before he was a priest. So um, uh, certainly from what we know was offending uh, in Mildura, he was there for 14 years. He arrived there in 1958 and he was finally punted out of there in 1972. Uh, he was offending pretty much weekly with a whole range of victims. That's just um, a lot of people. That's uh, just look, like, it's, yeah. it's a lot of people who, who basically had their lives, you know, um, put on hold, their emotional development put on hold, deeply yep. traumatised, un- unable to understand what had actually hurt, had occurred to them. He was perhaps the most uh, trusted figure in the city, in the in the city of Mildura, and yep. uh, he just but he just raped them. So he this is psychological mass murder. Yeah, and of course with this triumvirate, uh, even a, a parent who uh, learned uh, that his his or her child had been uh, been uh, indecently dealt with. If they went to the police, I mean, nothing's going to happen. No. The, 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 uh, and it did happen on, on occasions. And, and these matters would always be referred to Jim Barrett, Detective Sergeant Jim Barrett, that fat piece of shit. And, uh, and he would, 
and he would go to the to the parents' places, and basically we spoke to a number of them, um, and and basically stand over them to, uh, to, to 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 drop the complaint, and yeah. uh, and that was based on oh you know you all your friends are in the church and you know yeah there's a shame element. You. Yeah, Huge shame element. You. You, do you understand what yep. you're doing? All that sort of stuff. So in, in, inevitably, when it on those rare occasions when it got to a complaint made about day, that was jumped on. So this guy yep. is is running around Mildura. He was a fucking pervert of the highest order. He was an incredible thief as well. Day. Um, he was always stealing as well and committing fraud. Um, but the worst of his the worst of his criminality was was with young children. Boys, yeah. uh, girls, um, it didn't seem to matter. Uh, wow. he, he would often take um, uh, on, on his days off, he would uh, drive down to his old parishes, uh, including Apollo Bay in Victoria, and prey on children there. Jeez. Uh, <clears throat> so absolutely rampant and allowed to get away with this. And yep. um, until one time uh, a, a student at um, St Joseph's College in Mildura, the, the Catholic high school there, uh, had come forward to tell a senior teacher that, uh, or a parent had, a parent had brought the, do- the, the daughter in. It was, a, it was a young woman in this stage to report about a sexual assault that Day had committed. We won't say allegedly because he absolutely did, and uh, and, and and committed that offence. And so Dennis Ryan, who'd been um, a detective in Mildura for. A sh- well, a relatively short period of time. He'd been there six or seven years. Uh, he did not get on with Barrett. Um, he was unaware of uh, the sort of. I mean, he knew stitch the, up. Yeah, he knew of the closeness of them. But look, you know, he he was he was a very very good police officer. He was running around solving murders, things that were beyond the capabilities of Barrett. Um, but in the pol- in in police rank is everything. Uh, and yeah. and so Dennis was uh, Dennis was uh, uh, basically uh, you know an inferior to, to Barrett. So there was very little yeah. he could do. But finally, Dennis was called in uh, to take a statement from this young girl uh, who uh, was uh, saying that she'd been uh, indecently dealt with by uh, John Day. Uh, yeah. He took that um, he took that uh, statement. Then he um, and then he took a statement of another. Uh, another victim, and then that victim would tell him about another victim, and it went on and on and on. And so this is uh, just to give you a time frame. It's about August of 1971, and uh, by the time we get to around October, um, Dennis has eight statements from eight victims, and yep. um, and 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 young men and women in Mildura were coming forward to tell their stories, and and they trusted him enough to do that. Yeah. The background with Dennis is just an, is an astonishing sort of coincidence that occurs. And Dennis, as I said, we're in 1971 when, when he starts investigating Day. But if we go back to when Dennis was just a young uniformed police officer, he's running around as a, as a police officer in St Kilda. He goes out on uh, divisional patrol with two other more senior police officers. They come across, this is 1956, and they come across a large American vehicle veering down the road and they pull the car over and they notice it's being driven by two prostitutes. As they get closer to the car, they see a man 
well, a priest in dog collar but with his pants around his ankles, blind mm. drunk in the company of these two prostitutes. They pull him out of the car and, they sh- you know, they shoo the, the two cool girls away and um, who explain basically, look, you know, <laughs> he lets us do this, he lets us drive his car. Uh, and then they take the priest back to, uh, back to the uh, station. Uh, nothing happens to him. He should have been charged with, should have been charged with public, various public order offences, but um, uh, he was not charged. In fact, uh, the senior sergeant uh, at the police station just merely rang the cathedral, and a couple of young priests came and picked this very drunken priest up. And in yep. the interim, they de- they determined that this priest was Father John Day from Apollo Bay, and yep. and that and, and Dennis Ryan was very troubled because this is the great irony of this entire story is that Dennis Ryan is a devout Catholic. He certainly was at this time. Yeah. And he couldn't understand why dealt why Day was not dealt with um, by police, why he wasn't charged with offences as a result yeah. of this incident in 1956. So he says to his sergeant, you know, it, it bothers me, why wasn't he charged? And, and his sergeant says to him, he basically said, well, I, I don't agree with this, but basically priests don't get charged in Victoria. The priests, short of murder, they'll get away with anything. And, Just and untouchable. That's because, that is because there's a group within the police force that will uh, that will uh, make sure that those charges simply go away uh, if it gets to that, right? And then, yep. you know, we detailed other events where this had occurred that Dennis knew about in hindsight. But um, so when Dennis arrives in Mildura in 1962, you know, Barrett grabs him under the arm and said, I'll take you to who's important in, take you to see who's important in Mildura. And they take him up to the Presbytery, the Sacred Heart Presbytery in Mildura and... Uh, and Dennis meets the drunken priest that he'd met uh, six years earlier in on the streets of St Kilda, and it's John Day. And that's when, basically, that's his first day on the job, and that's yeah. when his relationship with Barrett collapses because he tells Barrett, and Barrett just refuses to believe it and tells him he's lying. And then Day, in, in fact, uh, called uh, Dennis Ryan in and, and said to him, you know, you're making up lies about me, the defamatory and all this sort of stuff, and Dennis said to him, I know it was you, and you know it was you too, and, <clears throat> and basically, and you know, they ordered him out of the out of the presbytery. So that was Dennis Ryan's first day in first day on the job in Mildura. Baptism uh, of fire. Forward to nineteen seventy two, he takes his job very seriously. He's hell on wheels as a detective, yeah. Um, but but he knows that he hasn't got the power to to take over the. Um, you know, the existing power structure. So he just yeah. gets on and does his job. Then this uh, young girl and her mother come forward uh, uh, with the allegation that uh, that they had indecently assaulted the, the, the young girl uh, and then he obtains a statement. So he rings up uh, He rings up a, a superintendent, McPartland, who's actually the uh, the most senior officer in, in that region. He's actually in Swan Hill, not in Mildura, and he says, look, this is what I found. Dennis tells him this completely... Jack McPartland, you know, an old Catholic bigot, another member of the Catholic Mafia. And that was what it was known as in the force at the time. Yeah, And McPartland just says to Dennis, she says, I want you to hand everything over to to basically where it would go to Jim Barrett and the protection racket would would remain in place. And Dennis couldn't believe it. And he said, you're off the fucking job. And and I said, you, Dennis, pretty feisty. He sort of tried to – Tried to have a bit of a brawl with uh, with a man of much more senior rank, and 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 the guy pulled rank on him. McBartland pulled rank on him. He said, "Dennis, 
I'm a I'm a superintendent and you're a shit kicker. Now I'm busy. Yep. So yep. Dennis actually continued, said, fuck you, and continued taking statements from victims. God love him. And uh, yeah. and in the end he got to about 14. But the shit hit the fan uh, and two very senior officers uh, that uh, uh, were basically the chief commissioner's secret police, uh, a detective chief inspector, uh, Ray Child, and uh, a detective chief superintendent, John O'Connor, Blackjack O'Connor, and uh, O'Connor was uh, kind of he was the he was the don of the Catholic mafia, and he came up to Mildura, he went to Dennis's house, he offered Dennis a uh, uh, an inducement, a promotion, uh, yep. if he was prepared to let the matter drop, he would be made uh, detective sergeant, and they would move oh. Barrett away. Uh, Dennis declined that, and that was when almost certainly his his job was ended at that moment when he knocked back. John it was O'Connor. their first and final offer, by the sounds of things. Yeah, that's right. And then basically he was just excluded from that point on. And any further statements that he obtained, he did actually pass them on to to O'Connor. Uh, now O'Connor claimed in his report to the chief commissioner that he had in, he and Child had interviewed. Uh, all 14 of uh, of those that Dennis had interviewed and provided statements to. Now, uh, we we spoke to seven of them. I know one is deceased and probably there are more, but, um, mm. but we spoke to seven of those people and they all confirmed that they had not been re-interviewed. They had not given an ad- additional statements uh, to, to John O'Connor. So that's the first politi- bit of political malfeasance. The fix is yeah. in there. Uh, De- Dennis, un- unbeknownst to him, uh, O'Connor and Child go and visit uh, two parishioners, two prominent parishioners uh, at one of the pubs in Mildura and then over a couple of beers they, t- they tell the parishioners, look, we're going down to, uh, to see Mulkerns now, the Bishop of uh, Ballarat and his diocesan officers, and uh, we're going to tell him if he doesn't move day, uh, we're going to charge day. And we know that meeting occurred, and it did occur later that day. Uh, and uh, Mulkerns initially didn't believe that um, that they had been offending, and then yep. he then he became assured that they had that he had been. And then between the three, those two senior, very senior police officers reporting directly to the chief commissioner uh, <clears throat> and the bishop of Ballarat, they cooked up a they cooked up a, a way of getting day out. And uh, and so Day was relieved of his duties, uh, and he was basically sent to a sort of clerical Coventry, if you like, for about twelve months, where he was pinged around the world, in various places for uh, uh, where they sit around earnestly praying for pedophiles. Yeah. Uh, and then when he returned, he was uh, he was given a small parish near near Warnham, where. I'm led to believe he offended again. He died in 1978. And when he died, by the way, he was absolutely fated by Mulkerns and others who, you know, basically talked about his his modest magnificence and all this sort of yeah. shit, having oh, known yeah. that he was an outrageous child sex offender. Now, um, what happened to Dennis was he was basically ostracised Within the police force, he was taken off detective duties. He was basically sent on police rounds in divisional vans, and um, and and finally he he resigned and, yeah, and gave up. Yeah, they they tried to they tried to sort of 
portray this as a, a feud between Dennis and, and Jim Barrett. Uh, Barrett was ultimately transferred. They had to create a job for him in Swan Hill. and It shifted him there. And Dennis Ryan moved. So D- Dennis Ryan was offered all sorts of things. He was offered work outside of the police, security details in courts and all sorts of things. Everything he simply knocked back because he knew if he, if he took that, if he left Mildura, what had happened in Mildura to all those children, this great racket, this great pedophile racket, basically with the protection of a senior police officer. Just keep happening. Well, it, 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 the truth would never be out. So so, yeah. so that was 1972. The shit at the fan. Day leaves. Dennis Ryan, about six months later, is forced out of the, forced out of the cops. police force. And uh, he came to me uh, in 2012. Um, he, I, he made contact with me through a mutual friend, a, a very good friend of ours, uh, who was a uh, chief superintendent of Victoria Police Force, and he sort of had come to understand that something horrible had happened, and um, and written a forward for for Dennis's book that we uh, published, God Love You, Brian Harding, and um, and so I met Dennis, and Dennis agreed, you know, I was thinking, uh, oh yeah, well I can get this published, and I got a publishing deal, and and then I thought, well, you know. I'll get around to writing this. <laughs> Dennis had other ideas. He jumped in, he and his he and his then wife jumped in a caravan or jumped in a car and pulling a caravan and drove up from Mildura to my place, which is a considerable distance. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and jumped into uh, the local caravan park and Dennis Ryan would, would come up to my house every day, six days a week, and we'd just work through the story. And... Uh, and I sort of realised that it was a, a pretty remarkable thing, but I, 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 I didn't quite. I guess I didn't quite realise the the extent of what we had on our hands. The book yep. was published in 2013, and then you know, I mean, it, it may have just all died there and then. But the Royal Commission was announced. In fact, it was announced just as we were about to publish the book, and we had to add a little chapter on what we thought might happen there. And uh, yep. Dennis uh, announced that he was not terribly confident in the Royal Commission, and I think while well, the Royal Commission did um, uh, outstanding work, uh, it was such it's such a such a bleak area of inquiry that that uh, they were going, you know, that, that it was never going to come up with perfect outcomes. It'll never be enough. No, there's no perfect outcome in a situation like this. The damage has been done. Yeah, look, that's right. So, so you know, Dennis ultimately um, uh, gave evidence before the Royal Commission. He did given a, a deposition on one occasion in camera and then on one rather glorious day in December uh, of 20, ooh, 2015, uh, he uh, gave evidence um, uh, under oath. Uh, there was uh, uh, counsel uh, representing the Victoria Police Force, but uh, he stayed in his seat. There was no cross-examination and all it, all it really was was Dennis reading from um, some parts of his deposition or statement that he provided earlier uh, at the uh, at the coaxing of uh, counsel assisting and, um, and there was also uh, a uh, he was he was actually allowed to read into a record a statement that had been made some years before by O'Connor who by this stage was deceased and O'Connor had basically just lied his way through a sworn statement you know about about what had happened 
and and in such a way that that the that the, that the gallery in the courtroom was laughing at the you know at the absolute outrageousness the absurdity. of absurdity. Yeah, 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 that's right. So yeah, uh, and that was it. Dennis gave his efforts. He'd been waiting really, I think, forty odd years. You know, forty, yeah. I think, forty four years uh, for for a moment of um, uh, 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 of liberation from this. From a yeah, uh, <clears throat> and some peace. Yeah, and 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 he got up from his seat, and and the gallery just broke into spontaneous applause. It was a very very moving moment, and uh, and Dennis uh, Dennis came and sat down with me uh, afterwards, and uh, uh, and then basically, um, and there was further evidence uh, given by Mick Miller, who'd been a stalwart for Dennis, who was another chief commissioner of Victoria Police. And he'd given some evidence. And then basically we break for lunch and there was, you know, Dennis was just being mobbed by media. I took the chance to approach Graham Ashton, who's a large human being, by the way. He's <laughs> very, very large human being, Graham. You're so not small yourself. Former, well, yeah, he, he, he towered over me. He said uh, he's a good 6'6 and a good 110 kilos. And that's the, you know, former Chief Commissioner of Victoria Police, uh, Graham Ashton. And I said to him rather impertinently, I said, when are you going to apologise to Dennis Ryan? And uh, and he looked at me like I was a shit in his shoes, but uh, he said, we'll get to that soon, sooner or later. So there was mm. this great uh, hubbub that day. And uh, as a result, you know, so it, it, look, it's a lovely story. There were just so many... Well, it's a, it's a horrible story that somehow has a good ending, at least yeah. for Dennis. I mean, uh, and and so a bit by bit, everything came down. So he was vindicated in the Royal Commission. Then he received an apology, a, a so-called a public apology from Victoria Police. Yep. Um, it wasn't really a public uh, apology because the public <laughs> wasn't welcome. Victoria yep. Police doesn't like the public. Uh, no. I certainly don't want them hanging around. I'm and, not a big fan of the public and, myself. And, and and the only journalist that was invited was John Sylvester, who wrote a very nice piece, but John is well known to have a close affinity uh, with uh, Victoria Police Force. Uh, uh, journalists like me were not invited. And I wrote a speech for Dennis and he gave that. And they offered him a small amount of compensation there, which he, ex- which he accepted but would not, um, uh, would not uh, accept as total payment. You know, they were yeah. trying to butter him up, you know. They were still, trying, they were still at it. Uh, yeah. And so we decided that basically we had to try and get some compensation for him. When I say we, there was a number of people. There, were, there was the producer, Ben Knight, uh, in, uh, in, at the ABC. There was me. I had meetings with state government ministers. I had a, um, a meeting with Mark Pakula as Attorney General at the time. And I said, look, mate, if you want to have a good day in politics, you go and stand next to Dennis Ryan and you give him a check. You know, yeah. I guarantee you, you'll get a you'll get a you'll get a good story from me, yeah, and and, and you'll get a good story from other people, um, and it bounced around there for a long time, oh, over a year. Um, the um, police association had hired an actuary to determine the full extent of Dennis Ryan's loss, and while a lot of this was uh, interest over you know since the nineteen seventy early nineteen seventy. Um, uh, he, basically, they put his losses at over four million dollars. You know, so he yeah. missed out on his police pension. He'd missed he'd missed out on basically everything, superannuated, anything he could get. So, um, you know, we as I said, we started, um, you know, basically lobbying ministers to do the right thing, and it, it stayed there for a long time. And um, 
there was a meeting. Ashton had met with Dennis and apologised to him privately. I'd say so fundamentally Graham Ashton's a decent human being. But he certainly showed himself to be, but flawed in other ways. And and um, uh, so he'd, 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 he'd driven up to Dennis Ryan's place in Mildura and offered his personal apologies and had done so on another occasion. Then there was a third occasion where he said, I'm coming up to see you, Dennis, and I've got a present for you. And we thought, oh, here we go. This is it. Yeah. You know, this is he's going to be compensated finally. And yeah. Ashton appeared at, appeared on his door with a framed photograph of Dennis and Graham Ashton uh, at the at the apology, shaking hands, and and was like, oh, fuck off, you guys. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> fucking get this done. You know, you're dealing with a man in his uh, in his eighties. He hasn't yeah. got a lot of time left. Stop um, waiting. So a lot of people jumped up and down. And as I said, Ben Knight was one of them. I was another. And then it became it fell into the, the carriage of um, of Dan Andrews. Uh, and once it got into his office, it was all over in two weeks. I mean, you know, this is Dennis having to wait forty five years. Yeah. And, and and it was all over in in uh, two uh, in two weeks, two weeks. As I say, it was yeah. basically a lot of administrative stuff. And and um, uh, and I can tell you that when the state, I mean, basically, if you sometimes if you make a payment to, you know, someone you owe some day to, uh, you know, whether it's a Telstra or something like that, and if you and if you transfer that money on a Sunday, that money's not going to hit their account until Monday, sometimes Tuesday. But when the state government of Victoria does it on, <laughs> sun, on a Sunday morning, they basically Dennis was rung up and said, "Check your bank account," and and the money was there. And, nice. and it was a it was a it was a beautiful moment. Um, and subsequently, Dennis was um, uh, was uh, given a, a, a companion of the Australian Order, um, and um, and uh, uh, we, and all all richly deserved too. And then, um, oh, I think he was he was named the Man of the Year in Mildura. And then, oh, wow. he, and then he was offered the free man of the rural city of Mildura, which is this kind of um, uh, almost medieval sort of award that they That's give great. you, where, where it allows him to he can he can graze his sheep. Um, basically, on public land in Mildura, Ooh, he doesn't have that's sheep. prestige. He doesn't have wow. sheep, by the way, but, but, like. but he could do that. And 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 he was invited. You know, obviously, he was going to have this uh, honour conferred upon him, and and uh, he invited uh, Dan Andrews uh, to attend. And Dan Andrews didn't attend. He sent a letter of apology, and I just read it to you, uh, dear Mr. Ryan. I am sorry I cannot be there in person to see the conferment of your latest title, Freeman of the Rural City of Mildura, but I cannot think of a more deserving recipient. While others chose to hide the truth or avert their gaze, you instead shone a bright light on one of our darkest chapters. Your courage of conviction and your relentless pursuit of justice have changed our nation for good. On behalf of the Victorian government and the Victorian people, Thank you. Yours sincerely, Dan Andrews. And that, That's good. Is, that is a Dennis Ryan story. He now lives a very quiet life and, and, he's, and he deserves it. Yeah. He deserves every bit of it. He's one of the Absolutely. best people I've ever met, if not the best. Um, he's no saint. You know, he, he, he's just, he was just resolute that this was yep. wrong and, and it would not be tolerated. And this is really important because my focus in this 
you know, the, the Royal Commission went went nationwide, of course, but my focus on this was Victoria and particularly in Ballarat. And what we yep. see is just this uh, absolute epidemic of child sex offending from uh, at, at least post-war and probably pre-war. The, just, you know, you just can't go back that far to, to make any sort of, to try and quantify the extent of it. But, yeah. but certainly from the 50s onwards, you can, you know, you can see that there were, you know, literally thousands of victims in the Ballarat Diocese alone, which is just sort of a, a third of Victoria and the western uh, western part of it's Victoria. It's mind-boggling stuff. It's just insane. Yeah, and it's really interesting. I mean, it, it, it from a from a sort of a criminality point of view, one wonders why um, there were so many offending priests in in the Ballarat Diocese and why neighbouring. Diocese Sandhurst uh, had much, much fewer. I mean, there were still some offenders yeah. there, but just so, so but nothing fewer. like it. Well, you and need a special kind of Terminator type approach, like Day, that just stopped at nothing and would just yeah. offend and offend and offend. Well, that's, that's a special right. kind of person. Well, it is. Yeah, there's, there's definitely that. But when you realise that the police won't act, the church yeah. will cover up. They'll yeah. just shuffle. Once you got carte along. blanche. Yeah, that, I mean, basically, Mulcairns was given the was given the roadmap in 1972 by the two senior coppers. It's basically yeah. you just move this priest on, and we'll hear no more about it. And you that's know, all and, there is to it. And so that I mean, though that tells that tells the offender, oh fuck, I can do anything. Now, yeah. you, if you tell an, an armed robber, an armed stick up guy, mate, you can commit as many crimes as you like, but which no, did happen. You, you'll never, you'll never get, you'll never get pulled up for them. What do you think that armed robber's going to do? He's going to commit a fucking to- lot of armed robberies, right? Rob with arms, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So that's the first thing that this that this police collusion uh, created. The, the, yeah. The, the the sense among these these clerical pedophiles uh, that they could get away with this. You know that the, yep. the, the, the worst thing that could happen is they'd make the bishop a little bit angry and they'd get transferred out of a out of, out of a parish, which really wasn't any punishment at all because they'd be moved on to another parish where they were the just same shit. Well, they were just a new new crop of kids. You know, it's like a small yeah. sport, and <clears throat> and um, and at the same time, it told victims. Because this, the, the Dennis Ryan story was reasonably well known in the 1970s. It, it, it certainly by uh, the participants anyway, uh, but and it told victims don't come forward because the cops yeah. aren't going to do anything. And so yeah. that led, and I've actually looked at the statistics of it. So when we start getting into the 70s and 80s, when we get to move into the move further into the 70s and into the 80s, the the the, the extent. Of, of of sexual abuse, child sexual abuse by clerics goes through the roof, right? yeah. Because they realise this is this is this is a conscious decision. I cannot be, I cannot be pulled up for this. Yeah, this is an actual conspiracy, you know. Like, and it's and it's very like you know the the core of the word. I mean, you've got conspiracy theories and you've got conspiracies, and this is a conspiracy. And the thing that I think yeah. is fascinating about conspiracies is that this is so well documented. There is a story, there are players, there are records, there's a royal commission. You know, like, this is the interesting thing. Whereas, you know, like, all these ridiculous theories tend to be paper thin. I mean, you've written a bloody book on it. So, Well, yeah, look, and and as an author, 
Um, it's it's deeply pleasing to know that, you know, the, the book, we, we sent the book as a submission about three months into the Royal Commission's tenure. Uh, yep. and, and, and so basically its claims were examined at Royal Commission level and yep. it was actually deeply pleasing as a journalist to say no one sort of came back to us. No one, any, no third party or anybody has come back to us and said you got that date wrong, you got that meeting yeah. wrong. You know, you, yep. you, you know it basically... <laughs> Gotta, and you've got to be careful. Yeah, well, that's right. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to it, you well, know. There's a lot to these, keep track of. Most of these guys were dead, right? Most of these guys mm-hmm. were dead. Dennis was the last man standing. God love him. Yep. And, um, uh, but what the Victoria Police Force would like us to believe when this when this story finally came to light is that everything sort of was okay by 19, you know, you know, regrettable stuff occurred to Dennis and so forth. But, but it got fixed. It didn't, it, 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 not as if it got fixed. It was just like oh, it was a one-off event, but it clearly yeah. was not a one-off yep. event. No. This was police, a group within the police force, often very senior. You know, the bloke, there was a bloke uh, when, when Dennis was in, Dennis was a young detective in 1961. He was approached by, you know, a, 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 a friend who was of slightly higher rank, who they'd, they'd been through the academy together, uh, and he was approached in a pub one day and said, look, we want, you know, we know how devout you are. As I said, the great paradox of this is that Dennis was a, was a devout Catholic. The, yeah. We know of your faith and we want you to come and join us. He was being actually asked to join the Catholic Mafia. Now, the guy who asked, who, who invited him, went on to become, 10 years later, head of the criminal in- investigation branch in Victoria. So these guys became very, very senior. And it meant that up to up to the 1970s, no police, and there was, there, there was no, and, and as far as I can tell, Australia-wide, there had been no, there were, uh, up until the conviction, and we'll talk about this in a minute, the conviction yep. of Ridsdale in 1993, that was the very first priest to be convicted of any child sex offending. 1993, that's the first one in, in Australian criminal history, Australian legal history, yep. that's the very first one. And... And so you wonder why, and 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 the answer is obvious that that yeah. that were there, there were you know sort of sectarianism sort of ruled Victoria Police Force uh, and other police forces around the country. I am absolutely sure that led to these little niche well, these these little conspiratorial groups, and that's what they're doing. They're conspiring to pervert the course of justice, whether it's to make a. Uh, a, a, a 0.05 DUI type offence go away in, yep. in the case of a priest or where it's just much, much worse child sex offending stuff. So the Victoria Police, when they're forced into acknowledging this, they would sort of have you say, oh, it was a long time ago, right, and yep. everything sort of changed. 1972 is a long time ago and it always bothered me too. So we got the book out and we've just gone through what all happened. It was, you know, it was a it was a good result for Dennis. It was a good result for victims too. Victims are very fond of Dennis Ryan and what he did for them. And you know, letters just pour through his through his letterbox on a daily basis. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah. um, but it didn't end there. It didn't end in 1972. It didn't end in 1982. Basically, what happened was. Um, in a very almost an unlikely sort of thing. I mean, Ridsdale's offending could be ignored no longer. 
Yeah. And so he was charged by the Victoria Police Force. Gerald, Gerald, Gerald Ridsdale was a, um, was a priest who'd been pinged around the diocese, offending wherever he went. There was a there was time when he should have been uh, grabbed, uh, uh, and and police basically let him go. Uh, rather than charge him, they uh, went to the bishop and said, "Oh, you've got to remove him." And they removed, you know, Bishop Mulcairns removed him, yep. like 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 had been done with Day. Uh, in fact, it was only a few years uh, few years after this, and then just moved to another diocese. No one has a clue what's going on, and at various places he was just out of control. I mean. When he was in Mortlake, which was his last parish appointment, um, he was, well, it's a story that basically every child in that town, it's a town of a village or town of about a thousand people, um, that every every boy between the age of eight and 15 was at least indecently assaulted by, um, by Ridsdale in his, in his relatively short period there. He was completely fucking out of control. He had... Uh, a fellow, a very good fellow, a profound victim, Paul Levy, uh, whose mother and father were, were going through a, a marital breakdown and the father had given, you know, basically um, a guardianship to Ridsdale uh, mm. and this kid basically slept on a camp bed next to Ridsdale's bed in the presbytery and he was abused every day. Uh, and that went on for months until his mother came and came and saw Mul Kearns in Ballarat and said, "I want my son back." He said, "Oh, I don't think I can do that." You know, um, you know. He said, "Well, I'm going to police." And she said, "Oh, okay. I think I can. Yeah. I think I can make that happen." So um, Paul Levy got a compensation case before the courts at the moment, and bring the checkbook, guys. The guys from uh, the Ballarat Diocese, I know all your names, you shifty fucking lawyers and assholes, uncooperative assholes. I know you when you when you get to see Paul Levy, you give him a fucking big check, right? Yeah. Imagine imagine allowing this sort of stuff. So a number a number of these victims have, have been through the courts. A number of them are still going through it. The, the Catholic Church will make life impossible for them, or you know, it just. Yeah. Just stretch things out. The diocese. They've got a huge legal team. They're uh, not fucking around. Yeah, and, and anything to mitigate. Anything to mitigate. Yeah, and and, yeah. and so so one uh, fellow who's become a good friend of mine. He 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 was actually raped by Ridsdale uh, in uh, in the confessional in Mortlake and St Colman's in Mortlake, and um, and and uh, uh, what actually occurs in a sort of weird. Uh, way that the Catholic Church is structured and structured clearly to avoid legal liabilities is that uh, a person who sues him has to sue the bishop, right? So they were suing the current bishop, Bird, um, uh, and the basis of that, the cause of action, is that the bishop at the time, whether it was Bird or Mulcairns, knew of the offending. And, uh, and and clearly, you know, that's, that, that is the case. That, that yeah. Clearly it was determined by the Royal Commission that Mulcairns was well aware of Ridsdale's offending and, and didn't just do nothing. He just basically kept shuffling him on. So uh, when, that, when that came to court, the, the church, church's lawyers actually argued to say, well, you know, we don't believe that the bishop did know. And yeah. and the judge said, the judge said, you got to be fucking kidding. 
I mean, you want to come, you want to go away. I'll give you a day's adjournment. You go away and come up with something better than that because that's just not going to fly here. And then they yeah. settled. They settled straight away. In fact, God love him, the the, the victim, uh, Steve. G'day, Steve. Uh, uh, God love him. Uh, he um, uh, he 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 settled for a, a large a large amount of money. I don't think it's my job to say how much. Uh, and he deserved every fucking cent of it, by the way. Yep. And and uh, and, and he. You know, the, the terms of settlement was sort of net 30 days from agreement and 30 days passed and he still didn't have that check. So God love him. He got hold of the diocese and just blasted their, blasted their fucking legal advisor and said, I want my, I want my fucking money or, or we'll, be, we'll commence federal court action against the diocese. And he got it, about, yep. got it about three days later. So, yes. So so we push on through this. This, this, this really key moment is is the uh, the conviction of Ridsdale because everything changes then, right? Now, the first thing to note about all of that is that he was charged with my, relatively minor offences and I don't in any way mean that as, as, a, as a disrespectful of of uh, of those victims. But no, it's the way what, the prosecution played it out. Well, possibly, and it may well be a sort of police issue as well because... Ridsdale had been offending at a gross level. You know, a penetrative rape was his thing. And it, and instead, when he was first convicted, he was charged with a number of uh, counts of sexual assault and acts of gross indecency. Uh, and he's given, he was given, he was convicted in 93 and sentenced in 94 to 18 months in prison. And I think he served about seven or eight months. That was it, right? This is some fucking monster. This is the worst. This is the not, don't even don't have to use the qualifier of child. This is the worst sex offender in Australian criminal history, right? And he and and first up he gets he he, he does a does a, a, a mean seven months in prison. Now yep. there's something really wrong about that. And and uh, there are a number of cases where statements were obtained from victims alleging penetrative rape by Ridsdale, which almost certainly occurred. And yep. those statements were lost. In one case, lost. Uh, yeah, th- those statements disappeared. In one case, in one case, um, the, um, uh, the the fellow who offered the statement, he had been raped by Risdale. Just to give you an idea of the sort of man Gerald Risdale is, he had been raped by Risdale in the bedroom of his own home, his own bedroom, his own home, uh, by Risdale, and then Risdale jumped in the car after that. Right, and drove down to Warrnambool Base Hospital, where this, where, where the victim's father was 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 uh, suffering from um, uh, bowel cancer, and administered mm. the last rites to him. Rape your child, Jesus. half an hour drive, administered the, light, light, the last rites what to your father. Fucking sociopath! Wow, wow, wow! I don't even think that comes close to it. And uh, look, he was sort of, you know, sort of written off as a as a sort of obscenity, uh, you know, one bad apple sort of thing. But it certainly wasn't the case. He was just the worst of them, right? He was just the yeah. worst of them. He had simply no control. Um, and, of course, for long periods of time, the police were none too keen uh, on prosecuting any of these. And we know yeah. that this goes on into the 90s, right? So a lot of this stuff, oh, it's all historical child sex offending. But there was offending going on in the 80s and 90s that was that was basically not being pursued by police because again we had some major problems there. I spoke to one uh, police officer, a lovely man, now retired uh, from the force. He gave um, uh, he was the 
the cop responsible for prosecuting Ted Dowell and a particularly unpleasant Christian brother who, a sadist and a rapist, uh, who's uh, had, uh, I think, now three spells in jail. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, and he was, at this stage, so this is post that, that critical moment, that first conviction of Ridsdale. And he was saying, well, they were just completely overwhelmed with victim statements at that time. He, he yeah. ran a community policing squad with about seven officers, and they were just completely overwhelmed. That was that was the resources. Those were the resources. Besides the normal CIB resources in each, in, 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 in sort of in each division, the the, the only specialised investigation into uh, clerical child sex offending was uh, a community policing squad of seven police. And he and he wrote memos and memos and memos to senior officers saying we need a task force, we need a task force. And for a very very long time it didn't happen. And I always yeah. wonder about that. And I think that the Victoria Police Force and their senior personnel were well aware of the Dennis Ryan story. Were well aware that the Victoria Police Force was heavily exposed as having colluded with child sex offenders. Yeah. Uh, to, to ensure that they never had their day in court and day of reckoning. So yep. that's the coordinated. His, that's the history. Yeah, that's the history of it. And um, we still have major issues in this country. I, I, look, I know for a fact that the policing's better. I do know that, that the policing is a lot better. Yeah. Um, and and those the old days of sectarianism in the, within the police force are certainly gone. I mean, no yeah. one's a fucking Freemason anyway these days. I yes. Mean, the QAnons may think there are. But, you know, <laughs> fucking Freemasons are so battling for numbers. They've got websites now. Please come, please. Yeah, yeah, so that's it. It's just a Don't whole tell thing. Karen Brewer. Yeah, and so, so so those days those days are sort of gone. The old sectarian days of the police force are gone. But if, if you really want to understand how we could have allowed our most precious resource, our children, to be so thoroughly exposed. It wasn't just the Catholic Church, by the way. I mean, pound for pound, nothing, no one worse than the Salvation Army. No one. And, yeah, that's, uh, just that's terrible, crazy. Terrible shit that they did. And, and their sporting groups and scouts associations and religious groups and schools and 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 uh, certainly Catholic Church wasn't on their own. They were the primary offender as, a, as, as an institution, but they weren't on their own. And if you want to find out really why that was, then the simple answer, I'm afraid to tell you, is that the police didn't give a fuck. And yeah. more... Perhaps more in a more sinister sense, they uh, they colluded with the church because of their own sort of yeah. obscene affiliations. You know, there's obscene religious affiliations themselves that saw them basically just ignore the oaths that they'd taken as police officers and, Scratching uh, each other's and run backs. a fucking run a fucking racket. So, if you ever really want to know why we got to this terrible, terrible case, to a terrible sort of set of circumstances with well, the number's not hard to forget. In the Catholic Church, four thousand four hundred and forty-four. You know, that's how many raw. That's how many uh, credible accounts of child sex offending were received by the Royal Commission. Uh, it's 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 almost certainly more, right? It's yep. it's closer to twenty thousand because you know that there are people who never come forward. The people have rung me after after the book was released and said, "Well, I was molested by John Day, but I'll never say. I'll never. I'll never say who." That it happened. I don't want to yeah. say that that it happened. They never will. They just never will. And then there yeah. are other people who are just gone. They're lost. You know, 
they've committed suicide. They're, they've died in sort of acts of extraordinary recklessness that driven by the yeah. trauma they've, they've experienced. And, of course. And it's ex- extremely sad. And, and, uh, and I, when I go to, uh, and I haven't been to Ballarat for a little while, but um, when I go to Ballarat and, and uh, uh, I still see, uh, you know, a community, uh, basically a town still just they cannot get over this. I, and I don't know that they ever really will. Um, yeah. This uh, trauma embeds itself generationally. Yeah, it, does. it really does. It, does. it really has there. And, and, and some of the victims' groups are, you know, uh, look, there's, you know, power struggles and all sorts of ugliness there and, and, um, uh, and I probably don't really want to go into. There's some very, very bright, yeah. uh, very, very bright people who've, who've, uh, who are survivors who, who, who really have some very good ideas on how Ballarat can actually uh, emerge from this uh, mm. in, in some sort of um, position. But the trauma, you can feel it. You can actually feel it when you drive into these, some of these little country towns in Western Victoria, certainly up around the Mallee and places like that, you know, I actually stopped and go, I'd go into the churches and uh, I'd go to Mass. I'm not a Catholic, but I'd go to Mass. And um, and a, a, and you could fire a shotgun in these joints, right? You know? Yeah. And it's not because, well, look, I guess one of the reasons is the Mallee is not exactly gang- going gangbusters in, uh, at the moment. But, um, you know, and there are a lot of sort of old ghost towns and things like that. But, but also, you know, people have lost faith. I mean, that's what the yeah. churches. That's what the church has done to itself. The other yep. thing you find, you know, in these country towns, there's the, there's the church and there's the school next door. You know, it could yeah. be just a primary school, a primary and secondary colleges and so forth. So just a, a you know, a, a, a rich number it's a, it's of victims. A factory. Yeah, just coming past the door, you know. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> terrible business. And, uh, look, uh, we're just uh, – Send our uh, send our love to uh, to all the victims out there. I, I, you know, I feel those almost, are the left. Almost privileged to have dealt with a lot of people. Um, uh, those that were wards of the state, um, you know, through really no fault fault of their own, were placed yeah. in youth hostels. Uh, they were subject to all sorts of all sorts of uh, deprivation, uh, sexual assaults, etc. You know. Run yeah. by the salvos that we talked about before, the Salvation Army. Hang your fucking heads. And um, um, it's quite likely some of the these state, kids were a victim and the of Catholic many church, people. Yeah, look, and, and then some of these kids would escape these extraordinarily hostile, violent environments, and they'd be grabbed by police and they'd be belted by police. They'd actually tell police, We've been raped by Sergeant Major. Salvo clown, or we've been offered yeah. out to other pedophiles by by some by some terrible uh, Salvation Army officer, and uh, and the cops would give him a clip over the ear and then take him straight back. You know, so yeah. there's a lot there's a lot of blame to go around. But one oh, yeah. thing you do never lose focus of is just how critical policing is, and if policing gets it wrong, you are going to have an epidemic of child sex offending. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And that's the real stuff, Joel. And then we get on to, and, and this is why, I, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm really glad we're doing it this way because, you know, we, we know, we understand what, what, what child sexual abuse does, does to people or, and we traumatise them. It's a lifetime of trauma. And, uh, 
and uh, uh, <clears throat> and and basically, it the the great contempt that's being held by these fucking QAnon type groups uh, for for victims of actual victims of child sex abuse. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is fucking terrible. So now we're, yeah. know, we're now we're going to move on and talk about the bullshit artists who, who use a sort of pedophilia to, to drive recruitment. Yep, that's it. Well, we're going to come back in part two where we talk about the people who exploit the most dark shit, as you've just spent quite some time hearing about, for their fun little hobby cause. Into this ocean of human misery, you know, a, 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 an epidemic of child sex offending, which we could actually call a pandemic when we think about what's happened in the United States, across in the world, Ireland, yeah. in Italy, in the United Kingdom. Yes, the description. Uh, and, and largely driven by um, by the Catholic Church, uh, with uh, all the resultant uh, criminality and trauma that is, that's that's been drawn upon victims as children, given essentially life sentences of of, of grief, uh, we have the bullshitters come along behind them, and and I guess it must give uh, people who run the uh, the Royal Commission, McClellan and others, you know, pause. I mean, were they in some way responsible for creating this madness that that now basically you know has these bullshit groups like QAnon? Um, uh, these cults, these dangerous cults like QAnon, basically, you know, claiming some sort of legitimacy in that they, you know, that they are in the child protection business. It's absolute garbage. Yeah. Uh, and and what, what it does actually, you know, make the experience of real victims, you know, just basically just cheapens them. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, it trivialises things and it makes it seem like as if, they're in this sort of pool with all these like ridiculous, fanciful, much more extreme situations because they never happened. You know, mm. the idea of torturing a child and drinking their blood, then maybe someone who has suffered real child sex abuse, which is an awful thing and an awful burden to carry, is somehow then meant to take second fiddle to like this fictional character that's yeah. been made up it's by this fuckwit conspiracy universe. And it's yeah. all just to get up the ass of the Democrats. It's all just to fuck with Hillary Clinton. It's all just to basically uh, further uh, anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic, of course, because the adrenochrome yes. thing is completely blood libel, and it's all about ancient anti-Semitic tropes that have gone back, you know, hundreds of years. But the idea that these people will just complete, continue to one-up themselves in order to make something more horrible that their political rivals have done absolutely takes away from the reality of child sex abuse yeah. in Hollywood, how, which how, really happens. How, yeah, how, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and how it, you know, basically how it's run through, our, through the Australian community, uh, some parts worse than others, of course. But, you know, along come these clowns and, you know, they're, they're talking about mold children and, yeah. you know, you know, tunnels, tunnels under the ground. Yeah, Pizza Gate, and you know, Linda Reveringham, who's a hello, he's a Telstra employee. Hello, Linda. Yeah. Um, I'm just it's wondering. John Blackman what, from I'm Telecom just, Mobile Net. Yeah, I'm just wondering what Telstra makes of your uh, free, what you get up to in your free time. Um, you know, these people. You know, I, I'm happy enough to discuss the psychology of it 
of, of a, someone like a Linda Everingham, they actually do believe that they're saviors. They, 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 they do. They, they have. They have. They, they are. You know. And and what could be um, uh, more persuasive than yeah. than what's a better cause? After, yeah. Exactly right. So this is but these people are looking for saviour. They're looking to be saviour. That's right. They're, they're not people who accidentally stumble upon something like Dennis Ryan did. Someone who accidentally walked into a situation and decided they'd rather sacrifice themselves than say like and turn a blind eye. Yeah. These are people who have made up things to yeah. then be the saviour of. Yeah. Look, and and the other thing to look at is when you, when you're when you're dealing with a conspiracy as opposed to a conspiracy theory a conspiracy generally involves a very small number of individuals yep. but the conspiracy theories i mean uh, qAnon you know pizzagate all this sort of Fuck. stuff it, it requires literally hundreds of thousands of people to be aware yep. of child sex trafficking on a industrial scale you know i mean it's impressive if anything well, it, it, it's it, it's a leap of logic that can't be made, and and, no. and 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 that's why you know if you if you ever want to determine the difference between a conspiracy, a genuine conspiracy, and conspiracy theories, you'll find that conspiracies are linked to or limited to a very small number of people. Yeah, they yeah, can't absolutely. operate. They can't operate in big numbers. But the they real simply difference can't because someone will say, "I don't want to do this." Because what happens here is like you've got the QAnon style approach to this, which is that I'm going to save the children because I'm involved. I'm going to rallies. I'm mm. making a difference. In a situation like Dennis Ryan's story, or in a situation like institutionalized sex abuse, where as it is still happening now, of course it is, just in a lesser scale and a different sort of format. Mm. These people can't enact any difference, and they want to be the saviors. They're finding That's ways to do it. That's the psychology of it. So and they- it's a participatory conspiracy theory, and this is what they'd rather put their energy toward because it's not about the kids. It's about them. That's 100% right. 100% about them. Yes. There's some There's some fairly serious uh, personality disorders going on. Malignant fucking narcissism. Yeah, there's, there's all of that. There's sort of, you know, almost a sort of hysteria. Yeah, and 100%. Uh, um, I, I have to say, you know, because I've been involved in, you know, sort of you know, fundraising for child protection groups and so forth, that, you know, there, there is, there's a sort of fringe element that sort of comes along sometimes that I'm a little bit wary of. Yeah. Um, and, uh, look, there is absolutely nothing wrong with child protection. There, there is, there, there, it, you know, it is a uh, one of the finest things that people can do, you know, um, yeah. but you have to deal with the reality of and and there's yeah. there's plenty of plenty of reality to go around. I mean, you know, we still uh, have have uh, lock up kids um, uh, in juvenile detention centres that aren't very well resourced or very or very good for those those kids. Or aren't we, very guilty, of course. But that's another uh, story. Well, they don't have to be guilty. So so basically, in New South Wales, they, they breach the breach the bail act. They'll they'll go to jail. You know, they could just yeah. be basically a not 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 come home in time. Um, court being poor, yeah, court being poor, and 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 locked away, and with the with the sort of delays we're having in the courts at the moment, they can be there for eighteen months, two years, you know, yeah, and, which is just an atrocious amount of time so in a developing that's life. That's something to that's something to get really, really, uh, you know, if you if you're in the child protection business, that's something to really get yourself aware about. And, and imagine if these about. 
fuckheads mobilised against this. Imagine if the mm. people at the Save the Children rallies, at the Freedom rallies, who have these dumb fuck posters about adrenochrome and Dan Andrews being a pedophile, imagine if they spent their time rallying against actual injustices. Imagine if they spent their time as social workers to get kids off the street who find themselves in a situation where prostitution is a viable income stream. I mean, fuck yeah. you. Fuck yeah. you for standing around with your hero complex when there are so many things wrong with the world that you could be spending your time on and yet you would rather masturbate on Instagram than actually help. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. You know, and there's a whole raft of things, you know. So so we've got kids basically in, in um, uh, 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 solitary confinement. In Australia, yeah. it's just unbelievable. It, it's it, torture. It, it's actually, it is. It's a form of torture. It's certainly they don't give a, fuck. a way to uh, to cause all sorts of developmental issues for issues for that for that child. So, and in the end, well, all that will happen. I mean, it's just one of these self defeating things that that um, those children, once represented in courts, will will sue the states who put them there. Yeah, uh, so they fucking because shoot. this is a this is a recognisable. Uh, Psychiatric illness, yeah, 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 neuropsychological condition, actually. So, uh, <coughs> so there's lots to get, there's lots to get up, uh, well, lots to get, be aware of, and lots to be active about. But yeah, this it's not this. It's always it's not this. Fucking Tom Hanks is involved, and yeah. Bill Gates is involved. Ellen DeGeneres will be in there somewhere. Like, yeah. fuck off. And She's so, a prick, but and, it's totally separate. And in order to create this, you know, this this sort of mountain of myth that 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 they perpetuate, that that makes you know the, the whole structure is designed to 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 basically keep prying prying eyes away from the reality. And the reality is that they're not in the business of saving children. No. Uh, they're actually in the business of uh, of cheapening the experiences of genuine victims. Well, they get a dopamine rush from one-upping themselves to these sort of things. And, you know, so they have all these other wild theories and it becomes adrenochrome, it comes degloving, it becomes all these awful dark things because they get off on the idea of being the bigger saviour because the more tortured child they save, the more amazing they are. And there's military operations and all this sort of shit that gives these people just these massive, like, adrenaline boners. Mm. But child sex offences should not be about that. I'm sorry, but this is the stuff that you really can't bring into your little cult club you're not allowed this is off limits but of course it is the most heinous thing they can think up yeah. and that and that's the thing you've got to get the dopamine rush from the biggest worst thing because when you're the biggest savior you're the biggest hero and you fucking get off and that's what people like at these hollywood rallies scotty the kid if you look him up he's such a sycophantic piece of shit he's a little failed narcissist actor who's had all these crap so, you know, like albums that he's released. He thinks he's a rapper. He thinks he's fucking everything. He's a model. Yeah. He's a wanker. Yeah. He's a narcissistic twat. And he's taken to this Save the Children thing like a fucking duck to shit because he sees it as a way of becoming relevant. He's a talentless fucking loser, but he needs to be adored. That's and it's right. working because his fuckhead just comes out and says, let's save the kids. And a whole bunch of people say, well, yeah, let's do that. And then, of course, from there, it's just Q pills on command. And, you know, Pastel Q, which is basically like, you know, the wellness yoga pants, like sort of activewear mum type QAnon, wow. they are so susceptible to this because they love their children and they're empathetic people yeah. and they're a little bit stupid yeah. and they just get sucked into this vortex by fuckheads like Scotty who after about six weeks of doing this realise exactly how to pill people, how to manipulate people because narcissists are naturally good at this and from there you just have these 
fucking zombies that turn up anytime they're asked to to wave signs. This guy gets drones to take promo photos to put on his Instagram. The entire thing is surface value. And these fucking scumbags are creating a fucking cult around something they do not understand, they do not respect, and they are not a fucking part of. Well, what uh, what can we say about the irony of being a, a Trump supporter and, and trying to save children? I mean, it's fucking uh, embarrassing. Well, it is a little embarrassing, isn't it? Who because, cuts the programs? Know, well, he's yeah. Well, there's that, but then there's also his personal behaviour. Jesus, uh, the one who brags about fucking hanging out in the bloody locker room of the Miss America pageants he fucking mm, funds. Yeah, where where I sixteen, mean, seventeen year olds are getting undressed. You know, it's I mean, disgusting. And he's so brazen about it, and they just don't see it. They've just got these blinkered eyes. They yeah. just can't see past their own bullshit because they're so fucking pilled. I, look, I, one day we'll get to the bottom of, of, of just basically who drove this sort of cult of Trump. Uh, and, and, and clearly we've got the QAnon, the, the QAnon drivers, uh, the Watkins possibly, but, but certainly – you know, this is this is almost out of the Trump playbook, isn't it? You know, will we ever know though? Like, I mean, it's so complex. It's a PhD and a eight hundred page book. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating look, it, though. Look, uh, yes, there's. The, I, I don't uh, necessarily believe this. That there's a there's a close link between Trump and QAnon. But certainly he's benefited from, from QAnon. Oh, hugely. Hugely. Yeah, absolutely. Massively, and, yeah. Uh, and so you have to That's wonder. That's where the meme was. Uh, have you have to wonder how this all happened. You know, um, it's just incredible this guy is the fucking saviour of the children, according to these fucking morons, when he is A, an admitted sex pest of teenagers, mm. and B, the kind of guy who would happily happily slash the funds uh, going to any has- kind of thing that helps children get off the streets, get away from abusers, and all these sort of things in the Republican playbook, they're meant to be outsourced to charities. Charities are fucking terrifying. They're half of them are religious. I mean, talk mm. about taking them from a fucking lion's den and putting it in the tiger's fucking cage. Well, one thing one thing that happened, basically, the, you know, the, uh, the, the situation in America was particularly dire for a number of these dioceses. And just to explain for those who don't know, a diocese is a sort of ge- geographical area uh, as determined by the, the Catholic Church. So, the, the, for example, the Diocese of Boston extends well beyond Boston, in fact, into, okay. other, into other states. So these are geographical areas that have no n- necessarily don't have any uh, sort of link to any other sort of geographical boundary. I didn't know that either. So, so those dioceses, they basically, um, they report, uh, well, they report ultimately, ultimately the Vatican, but they are sort of standalone. And, and certainly if there's scandal involved, what will happen is that they are on their own. Um, yeah. it, it, they become very, very difficult to sue. But in the case of the United States, where, by the way, uh, victims have received on average million-dollar settlements. That's $1 million yeah. a piece. We, uh, 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 people in Australia are receiving a lot less. Um, but in order to avoid their creditors, some of these dioceses went, um, went belly up, went went yeah. bankrupt under Tokenistically American law. Tokenistically bankrupt. Yeah, that's Chapel right. Blah, blah. So in yeah. order to seek some relief from their creditors. Yeah. Now, and what we found there, this is the really interesting part, right? That this was some dodgy uh, attempt to avoid paying people what they were due. It goes without saying. But the really interesting thing is that once these dioceses became bankrupt, 
their books were open for the very first time. Their, their financial uh, arrangements were 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 public documents for the very first time, and, and just to yeah. understand that a little bit more in in Australia, you know, all religions are tax exempt, and uh, and as is the case in the United States, uh, so they're not paying any taxes, so they're not subject to any sort of audit. Uh, and so when we did get to see these documents that otherwise we would not have seen, what we saw was that whether it was in, in the United States at local, state or federal level, about 85% of the funding that came into these charitable organisations, be they hospitals, schools, um, charitable, charitable organisations themselves, 85% of it was publicly funded. Yeah. So, so it's it's not as if you know they're rattling tins and making that all work. They're basically and look, and, and there's it's got a lot going for it in an ideal world that people who are in the charitable business, the governments governments will f- do not get these things right. Governments yeah. don't do charity very well, um, and so basically they rely on charitable organisations because they've got the feet on the ground to. To assist, so it does make a lot of sense. But if if I asked you, you know, uh, how much money, how much public money is going into the local uh, local Catholic school, you know, the answer is, well, it's a little bit less than eighty five percent. But they're getting paid the money up front. I know this for a number of a number of schools, Catholic schools. They're getting their funding. They whack it on the short-term market. They profit from it. They pay no tax, and then they, you know, slowly but surely, start doling it out for educational purposes. So, yeah, you know, don't get me started on the whole business of school funding. But yeah, look, that was really interesting. We actually saw eighty-five percent of these so-called charitable works were not from rattling tins and walking around with plates in churches. It was actually public money. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's lobbying, there's back scratching, there's the whole bit. The thing that really shits me with these people is just the way in which they'll support a, a political party that genuinely does harm to these people by, uh, you know, yeah. stopping them from getting the help they need when it comes to domestic violence situations and things like that, closing shelters, and just generally saying, well, if you can't figure it out on your own, fuck you. Well, wrenching wrenching kids from their parents' arms in the in the case of genuine refugees, yeah, uh, and, and and then losing, and then losing these children, so they can never be reconnected with their with their parents because they're too the fucking hopeless to organise this properly. Uh, what was really interesting to me, and I know we're sort of going off topic a little bit, but what was really interesting to me was just how hard that issue bit with white America with white yeah. middle-class America, and they did not yeah. like it one bit. They are Suburban mums did not vote yeah. Trump. And, and, yeah. and white college-educated males looked at that and went, that's a bit much. Yeah, and, and that, that is a bit a much. major issue for them. Um, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've read articles of voter analysis where people go, I, I voted for Trump in 2016 and I want to apologise. Yeah, that, I'm that was sorry that was a I did big this because yeah. as soon because as soon as he got in, as, as soon as he got in, he was basically you know bringing in uh, immigration uh, laws based on religion. So countries that were fundamentally or that were essentially Muslim countries uh, weren't allowed to uh, enter the enter the United it's States. Banned. All these sorts of things. Yeah. These things. 
they resonate much more strongly in the United States than they do in Australia, where we tend not to consider very much our our own immigrant backgrounds. And yeah. uh, you Americans, well, what, what let's say women, middle class, well educated or college educated Americans, they they actually know who that person was, great-granddad or grandfather or yeah. who came over from Europe. Those sort uh, of roots. They, yeah, they understand those roots perhaps more than we do. It's so they, they understand the immigrant experience much more than we do, I think. Yeah, so and we've also been sort of peeled by the political uh, system to, uh, you know, sort of try and swat that away a bit. And um, I think do. that's a lot to do it's with our oppression of the yeah. Indigenous people. Does do no. does do nothing for our national identity. And uh, and uh, and really puts us in a place where sooner or later we're going to have to explain uh, to our children and to the world why we're locking up uh, families and and uh, who who are just uh, basically wanting a better life. You know, in the meantime, yeah. we'll just not only get away with it, but it'll be politically advantageous and, in and, Australian and, uh, electorates. And yes, indeed, and and there again, that's right. So so the xenophobia, we'll, we'll hit that button. But the the. But here again is another group of children, much put upon children, who are you know languishing in uh, in uh, in refugee camps and uh, absolutely. Uh, and but but the QAnons, they don't give a shit about them. You know, don't give a fuck. It, it just but seems to be is it only just white children. Is that, is that all they're worried about? Well, what the thing is is when you bring the fucking temperature up to the point where they the dial goes to eleven. It's all about adrenochrome. It's all about tortured children m- being murdered in tunnels. And then you hear about kids in cages uh, at the border and they think, oh, well, they haven't got it so bad. They're not being tortured yeah. by Hillary fucking Clinton and Tom Hanks having a fucking orgy with their fucking cousins. That's not happening. The yeah. real crime is happening at the border. The real crime is that children will never see their parents again because of a fucking spreadsheet error. Like, this sort of stuff is horrific, and that's the sort of stuff that these assholes are absolutely fixated on because it's a distraction from the reality, which is that their guy, Trump, is jailing children, losing their parents, and is a general fuck-up. So, I mean, that's where... That's where it sort of, you know, it comes down to it. Like there is a because they don't see these people as human. They also don't see their suffering as valid because their suffering is nothing like the stuff they've seen on fucking Parlor. Yeah. Oh, look, look, and that's right. So, so basically, we've looked at both sides of that equation at the moment: the real, the conspiracy, and, and the bullshit, and the unreal, which is the conspiracy theory, and and, yep. and 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 how fucking wrong they are, and how cheap and nasty they are, and this is why we yep. fucking hate them. Self-serving, sycophantic, narcissistic fucks. Well, yes. Now, look, uh, now we've had a very, very heavy time. We've talked a very long time, perhaps uh, even too long, I think. Uh, and I'm just talking, eh, it's I'm just been a long one. I'm just talking to the editor here and uh, maybe uh, cut a few uh, cut a few of my sentences. Ah, I wouldn't be good. too bothered. You were good. Um, but, um, but, look, uh, we'll, leave that, uh, we'll leave that with the editorial process. Uh, uh, we're moving on now uh, as we get to the end of 2020. And by gee, hasn't it been a wonderful year? I think everyone's had a terrific time. And we uh, just and just have look. Can we just have more twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one? I think that's well. Um, it is funny because they they say on the, on this shitty meme twenty twenty one is actually twenty twenty and then the word 
one after. Oh, so, well, uh, yeah. Actually, I knew a- that. And that is the fundamental basis of the Gregorian calendar. And the other thing about that is that it's not as if you sort of have a run of bad luck that ends on December 31 and uh, when that clock ticks over, uh, everything's just hunky dory again. I mean, it's just, no, it's you know, that, that, yeah, yeah. Look, there's get look. There are some. There's lots to look forward to. There's vaccines. There's, uh, you know, a chance of a. I don't think there'll be a return to COVID pre-COVID normal. There's so much climate change to come. Oh, we've got so much climate change to look forward to. Oh man, oh, yeah, if you think we've had a shit year, that's going to wait till bad. the. Fucking What's, storms wait, start coming. Yeah, wait, wait till the, wait till the, the planet grows, glows orange and bursts. Imagine if the QAnon storm they were talking about was actually climate change, and it's like I was trying to tell you, Trump. Trump was trying to tell you the whole time the storm is coming. You know, like the actual but, storm, the but, fucking weather. But even if you want to be a little bit optimistic about that, um, you will see that you know the election result has brought. Uh, you know, it is one of Biden's. It is one of Biden's core promises, basically, and 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 that they'll sign up to Paris, that they'll uh, that they'll get stuck into a bit of uh, legislation, yeah, and, and we'll, we'll see, see how happens. it goes. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but it's got to be a whole lot better than Donald Trump in the White House. I'm it, happy it, to see Biden in because Trump's gone. But let's face it, it's going to be the guys from Raytheon in the defense positions, business as fucking usual, and I don't see anything with climate change ending without making sure that one of the fucking boys makes a buck. But at least we're not dealing with fucking well, pupil lunatics I mean, anymore. I mean, that's just the thing. With, with good climate change policy, there will be opportunities for, for, for people to make a quid. I mean, I'm it, happy it, it, for a buck to be made, but I don't want it to be about that. I want it to be about saving the world and secondarily yeah, making things. but you things- couldn't do it any other way. You, 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 yeah, you, you, you can't do it capitalism. without creating opportunity. And, that, and that's, that's where these... Fuck knuckles in Australia who you know want to want to continue to build coal coal fire um, uh, power generators. I mean, it's just insane. I mean, there's there's not an institutional investor who go anywhere near it. Um, and We're governed uh, by basic bitches in the pocket of coal. Well, you know, then, then we almost you know, sort of have this sort of liberal party as a sort of socialist thing, sort of knocking out knocking out a. Uh, uh, it, look, they won't do it, but but uh, you know the suggestions are that the Australian government should fund, yeah, nationalise the fucking power, yeah, national, yeah. nationalise stuff. I mean, it, I'd usually be on. all about that, but the fucking liberals have even fucked up nationalisation for me. What else will they ruin yeah, for me? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, poor old Chief, he'd, uh, Ben Chifley, he'd, uh, he'd look at this again. No, 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 you yeah, guys are would, fucking nuts. Now, would be turning. I do want to turn our attention now, Joel, uh, because it is uh, the end of the year, as uh, as I started off by saying, and got caught into a whole big Gregorian calendar rant. It was good, though. I like um, it. It was, it was but uh, it was but here we go, because we are at the end of the year, and we are assessing 2020, and we have developed, and I've got the trophy right in front of me. It's, it's glistening. It's glistening in the light. It's pure gold. Uh, uh, well, I think it's up to 24 karat gold. It, I tried to bite it before and uh, almost lost a molar. And uh, so, yeah, I, about that. It is. Uh, it is a beautiful trophy, and uh, I think uh, any one of the any one of the nominees would be very, very grateful for it. Let me introduce you to the Golden Tapeworm, uh, the Conditional Release Programs Award for Biggest Fuckwit of the Year. And we like the, the term tapeworm because that is a parasite and these people are parasites. That's exactly uh, right. And uh, it's the Brownlow Medal, a Brownlow Medal, I think, for fuckwits and flogs without 
all that unnecessary and slightly uncomfortable red carpet treatment. Uh, yeah, and fuck democracy too. You don't vote, we vote. Get we're, out of we're sitting there. We're, we're sitting there. We've had a good, hard look at this, and I think I think our listeners would even accept it. It is our job to do this. Uh, Absolutely. And, and I've had a few drinks. I'm ready to judge people. Yes. Let's get the. Let's get. Let's 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 just have a look now. At, uh, and look, look, it's it's a fucking Melbourne Cup field, isn't it? I mean, it is a huge field of fuckwits. It's in been a big year. A big I mean, year, huge so year. How, <laughs> how do we go? How do we go? Okay, so we've got the nominees. Nom- nominees, yeah. Look, I'll tell you what. I'll start. I'll start with Tim Smith, the member for Q. Uh, oh, the what member a for Q. Uh, really, he is. Uh, He's uh, really uh, one of those people who say, gee, now, now I remember why people hate the Liberal Party. How the, did he get in there? Fuck. I, look, they are, they are pretty thin on the ground for talent at the moment. I mean, anyone who'd have Michael Kroger uh, as their president, and he's not anymore, by the way. Uh, they've been doing a fair bit of uh, ethnic brand stacking as well as the Labor Party do. God bless them. Um, but uh, Timmy's got in there on a I'm going to destroy all the bats in Q's parks. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that'll uh, fix the coronavirus. Yeah, and also a, the had a nice old uh, I think about a ten percent swing against him. So uh so the good people at Q uh, who are rusted on uh, uh, have uh, ha- have only marginally given him the thumbs up uh, and he's since made a hell of a noise. He's got this terrible uh, sort of pink face and bright blue eyes that are a little bit alarming. He's grossly overweight too. And that leads me into uh, the thing he's been well, nominated for. He put donuts. It's so good. Oh, he put cinnamon donuts, you know, with little holes in them in order to make what he thought looked like 800. So this Ooh. was the 800 victims that Dan Andrews had killed. Yeah. And, and uh, But all it looked like was a giant fucking penis. Yep. And donut it, dick. It looked like a donut dick. So, Timmy Smith, yep. you absolute fuckwit. Um, you, you complete clown. You have been nominated for, for having the having the fucking poor sense and the indecency uh, to make a quip about the number of dead people in Victoria from COVID nineteen, just being and, an and penis. representing them in a penis shaped donut array. <laughs> you can't fucking write this shit. I think that the I think a, a nominee needs to go to now. I was going to go with Fanos Panayides. I was going to go yeah, with some softsets. Fanos, Fanos, Fanos. But let's just go anti lockdowners in general. I mean, yeah. let's let's give it to them as a group. Because yeah, I fuck, like they're that. insufferable. I There's like so many that. of them. We'd be here all day. What are we going to go? Thanos, Craig Cole, James Bartolo, fucking like we have too many names. So let's I just like say and, as and a group. You, and, and, and if they win, if they win the uh, the glamorous uh, golden tapeworm, then- And they um, deserve it. Uh, then it, it, it wouldn't be, you know, one or the other or, or couldn't come up and accept it. This is the thing I like about it. So no. Thanos, Thanos, would, Thanos would go to the opening of a fucking envelope. Uh, and if he was asked to come along and just accept the uh, the golden tapeworm, he'd come up, he'd make a little speech where he'd sort of air a lot of grievances about some of his fucking anti-lockdown mates, 
and uh, and and basically accept all the kudos. I just like the way we're doing this. Anti lockdowners, you have been nominated for a golden tape one. You're up, and I tell you what. What I think we should do is, if the anti lockdowners do win, and it's fucking possible, we just bring them all to a award ceremony, and we get Thanos on the stage because I love hearing him talk for God knows fucking why. But we put tapeworms in the drinking water. <laughs> Well, and give them all a golden tapeworm. It'll get the weight off them in no time. That uh, that uh, lockdown has a low body fat they carrying around. Yeah, for he's, he's very, doing well. very very fit, he's man. Very fit, uh, now the Trumps. Time. I mean, if there's a loser family this uh, in 2020, God forbid. I mean, we're not going to know the full extent of the fall by by December 31. But we've got to have a look at uh, Donny uh, Jr., Ivanka, God bless Eric, who's a very good-looking boy, and even yep. Barra now, who's looking really fucking spooky just quietly and may have, oh, yeah, to cha- yeah. may have to change his name before he goes to college. Stephen King is going to write a novel on this one for sure. <laughs> so I think we'll just nominate the Trumps. Yeah, just as a group. Uh, just as a group. And, and, as an amorphous and- blob. And one to watch. I'm I'm listing them as the favourites for the 2021 award because I'm 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 predicting a sharp decline in yeah. uh, in the fortunes on the of the Trump family. Um, I think and they're going to try and take us all down with them. I think you end up like a tremendous sitcom, a basis for a tremendous sitcom, sort of a Shit's mm-hmm. Creek style, you know, mm-hmm. where uh, you know fish out of water uh, and fish with no money. Um, <laughs> ends up, you know, in, in really uncomfortable places. So, yes, I, say, the I do well look forward to some reality TV from this. It's going to be fucking amazing. Well, I think next, you can't look past the Trump legal team. It's a tough battle between Lynn Wood, well, Sydney Powell, and Rudy. Yeah, yeah. But what do you reckon? Uh, Sydney or Rudy, Rudy for the Rudy nom? Giuliani, I'll tell you what, it's a very difficult time for a lot of people this year. And Rudy Giuliani just kept us amused throughout. He has, God, hasn't he? Four seasons. Him. The yeah, die incident. The I mean, it, it is the most uh, most cherished T-shirt at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, seen a few uh, um, very proud owners think, on Twitter uh, showing off their fucking yeah, Four Seasons T-shirt. A very good friend, uh, Reese Muldoon, seems to have one in the kit in the kit bag yeah, as well. Yeah, that's where I saw uh, Reese. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yes, look, it is the most sought after T-shirt. I'm, I can't wait to get my, my hands on mine. And Rudy Giuliani, I mean, look, he he just went so hard throughout uh, 2020 that when he got to about, oh, where were we? Oh, yeah, just early December. He was melting. He actually melted yeah, during a press conference. he really conference. did. He really did. And the, people just thought it was hair wax, but he was actually disintegrating before people's eyes. Um, he was actually, you know, he was measured afterwards and he dropped 40 kilos and, uh, and, and, and lost three inches. In high. Surely this is something for David Icke to focus on. Like, if there's ever been, like, a person in the public who's had some kind of power, who's showing the fact they might be a reptile because they happen to shed yeah, when they're sweating, this, this is the spot. On. Reptile li- lizard's got a mask on. You can just tell. It's melting there. But um, David Icke's, of course, on the side of the evil one. So what the fuck can you do? Well, what do you reckon next? Uh, well, look, I'm going to throw it over to you now, Joel. It's the anti-vaxxers have been getting up my fucking nose for a long Ooh. time now. Oh, and mate, I could... Shopping list. Shopping yeah, list of cunts. Yeah, a shopping list. But look, just give me one. Just give me one. I don't think I can do any vaxxers as an amorphous blob like the anti-lockdowners because no, they have no, so many unique features. Del Bigtree is a piece of shit, but he's opportunistic. I almost respect his grift. RFK Jr. is a narcissistic sycophant who just needs girls to love him, and I yeah. get that, and that's yeah. okay. His yeah. voice went weird. He kind of lost the plot, and now he just wants chicks to yell at him in, in public, you know, scream after him. But Andrew 
fucking Wakefield is a real piece of shit. I mean, he kicked off. He kicked off this entire fucking Super Bowl of bad anti-vax bullshit back in the 90s. This motherfucker has stayed OG through the process because once he had no other options, he refused to stack shelves in Tesco, which is basically <laughs> what he's good for, and he should have he fucked off be, into obscurity. Might be a bit beyond him, to be honest. But, yes, look, he's my choice. I think I, I absolutely agree with you. Andrew Wakefield I'm not a big fan of that guy. a terrible, terrible human being. What so a cunt. Of the anti-vaxxers, he's right up there. And, look, finally, we couldn't go any further with had our good friends at QAnon and uh, the mentally challenged Ron Watkins. He's, well, he's got the go, nomination for mine. But Q himself, let's just, let's go straight to the top. Oh, that's But Ron. let's not forget that Ron Q Watkins. When, but when we are nominating Q, we are clearly nominating Ron Watkins. If you've seen any of his tweets recently, yeah. they are absolutely Q drops minus the dumb square brackets that Q uses. The yes. guy's not even fucking trying to hide it anymore. No. So let's just say we are it's a double nom, but a single nom. Q and Ron. Q, yeah, Same Q and Ron. Person. Yeah, Ron, I was going to say Ron Q Watkins. Um, yeah, Ron Q Watkins. I like it. That's got a real ring to or, it. It's or good. Num- or number 17. So he get, yeah, and, and look, finally. <laughs> number 17. Uh, and look, finally, I think there's one. I think we'd be remiss. Ooh, there's one us. more. There's one more. We'd be remiss of remiss of us not to nominate this guy. He's been oh. a busy man. He's busy every week. What's and, this? Uh, yes, Pete, Pete Evans, and uh, oh. we're going to get to him at some length because he's had of a huge course. week, even huger than last week. But how can we forget Pete? He's just stacked fifty-two weeks of, of, of absolute, you know. Just ripping in, ripping into all manner of conspiracy theories, anti-Semitism. He's been so busy. Um, Imagine his diary. It's just like this, oh, like, bit of like nasty solid stuff. thing to saying: be a fuckwit, annoy people, say something about being censored, delete comments, delete comments, delete comments. That's a big block of time. <laughs> Fucking imagine his diary. What a cunt! Oh yeah, he's not cooking those salmon uh, moose things that he used to. Um, I don't think he's doing a lot of cooking at all. And his brain's uh, he's cooked. Been, he's been arsehole by just about everybody except Booktopia, of course, uh, and. Uh, Let's not uh, get into any nonsense with their sales, and uh, I get their fucking emails as well. I'm not. I'm just going to ignore Booktopia because, of course, Booktopia said they were going to they were going to flick Pete Evans' titles and from their shelves, and they didn't. But anyway, Pete- I actually got a message from Kmart during the podcast recording that said that Kmart had removed him from the shelves at Broadway, which uh, had happened. That's a whole other <laughs> thing. We'll cover it later, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little too little too late. Yeah, look, but Pete Evans yeah. is obviously a very, very strong nomination because of, you know, he's really had a crack across the, the borders, across the boundaries. He's really gone in hard. He's had a little bit of a tilt at QAnon. He, he loves the anti-vax lifestyle as well. He, he drifts into neo-Nazism from time to time. And, look, I just think as, as an all-rounder, he, he's actually the Gary Sobers. In my view, I think he's the Gary Sobers of of uh, of our nominees this year. He's uh, he's very fucking he, good. He can bat, and he's given he can bat he's, bowling wicket keep. He's a tremendous all rounder. This is a guy who's put his ass on the line. This is a guy who has a material loss. He has lost money for yeah, his cause. Yeah. He has skin in the game. And you've got to respect that for someone who is so delusional that well, they're prepared to give up millions actually. of dollars uh, yeah, in yeah. order to red pill mums. I, I, I don't I don't respect that at all. Oh, you no, know, I hope the guy gets sent to a bloody gulag. It's a shameful waste of money. It's a shameful waste of money, if nothing else. But uh, or perhaps he's just redistributing it. But um, but uh, yes, he's uh, he's taken oh a catastrophic loss. I think his accountant 
his accountant would be uh, sort of looking at him with an eyebrow raised, wouldn't he? Absolutely. And you know what? I'm looking at it with an eyebrow raised too because you fucking virulent piece of shit, you've just red-pilled normies all year and thought we'd let you get away with it. You motherfucker, you deserve this award. Well, yes. Look, but we'll just go through the nominees one more time and we do mm. have Ron Q. Watkins. Q himself. Yeah. Andy Vaxxer, Andrew Wakefield, a really horrendous piece of fucking humanity. He has made the world a worse place. The the wax man, uh, Rudy Giuliani, who could melt at any given time. Don't put him out of the sun. I can't like him. It's tricky. Uh, A Trump. Well, the Trumps, I should say, not just Donnie, but uh, the whole family. Uh, Victims of themselves. people, including Eric, who is a very, very good-looking boy. Gorgeous. And... and, uh, uh, we're just giving the – we're just spreading it around. We might actually get some smaller versions of the golden tapeworm, Dan, if the anti-lockdowners do get them. We'll just spread around about 12, just send them out, just small ones. I'm telling and, you, just and, samples in the water. Yeah, and, uh, and then Tim Smith, the uh, member for Q, who thinks it's funny to represent the deaths of 800 people without having spoken to any of them or their families, I should say, the surviving members of their families, to ask if it was okay, and then did – a donut representation that looked like a fucking penis. You, That's are, what they, Tim, you are the penis here. You really are the penis here. The member for Q. Yeah. So now we've got uh, final. We got Pete Evans. And and look, uh, I just I, look. I, I I would give a drum roll, but I don't have the drum kit set up at the moment. Uh, but if I can just cuts. look, just have a moment, a pause, just a, a just to create a little bit of suspense. Open the envelope. Open that envelope. Oh, oh, here, oh. and the winner is. Oh, Pete Evans! Hey! hey he's all... worked so hard for it! Yeah, look, and he deserves this. He deserves oh, this. It's richly deserved. Heart. No one's put in as often or as hard as he has, week in, week out, huge weeks, each week huger than the last. He's just been the biggest fuckwit. Uh, really, I mean, oh, look, he's global. There's no doubt about it. He's gone global. He's the biggest fuckwit in Australia. We've known that for a long time, but he's just actually slipped into global gear now, and I think he could I think he should, he could, he could challenge the top ten fuckwits in the world next year. I'll be very concerned to see whether he's in the run-up next year or maybe he's going to get a double tapey. I reckon he could get yeah. a double tapey. And we, we, it could we, happen. He could get the double tapey. And I tell you what, you need a lot of uh, steel cutouts just to get rid of that. Absolutely. Um, well, it it was a big field, and I think rounding it down to these nominees was hard enough. But if you didn't win the award, it's an honour to be nominated. Be yeah, a bigger fuckwit, maybe. Try harder. Try harder. I Thanos Panayetis, try harder. It was a big year. It was a wash with incredibly shit people that had a terrible, deleterious effect on society and the concept of democracy and truth itself. So getting here takes hard work and dedication to posting fucking trash. So, you know, like try again in 2021. You've got a fucking chance. Uh, excellent work, Joel. Well done. And well done to Pete Evans. Terrific. Uh, and uh, no doubt it'll be uh, when he gets his, uh, and we'll pop it in the mail today, uh, when he gets his uh, golden tapeworm, He'd be looking at it and think, geez, I wonder what I could get for this at cash converters. The chance he's probably going to try and fucking eat it is huge. Because <laughs> tapeworms are medicine. <laughs> what 
A tremendous field of nominations and, of course, Mm. a very well-earned winner. But we can't dwell on these things because not everyone gets an award. Some people continually don't get awards. And Mm. that kind of guy, just the kind of guy who just stares up at the sky and thinks, I wonder if my dad's looking at the moon at the same time as I am. And then, you know what? No one's fucking watching, Eric, because you are like a bastard on Father's Day. Well, tremendous news this week with Eric Trump, who is a good-looking boy, Veep of Trump Enterprises, a smoldering ah. hulk of Russian money subject to litigation in multiple jurisdictions and, and not forgetting the criminal stuff looming in the Southern District of New York. Eric knows a fair bit about all of that because many years ago his dad, love you, Buddy dad, dad. <laughs> the Donald, his dad, the Donald, hurled a hundredweight of rubles in his direction and told Eric, that money ain't going to launder itself, son. Wise words. Yes, and Eric has put all that behind him and is working hard on restoring, and restoring the Trump brand with Trump wine. Yeah. Bottles of purple piss going for $100 or so a pop. Yeah. Uh, but as his dad, love, love you, dad. dad. Told him, it's nickel and dime. It's loser stuff. Yeah. So Eric has had a chat with the bottlers and has expanded profit margins by filling each bottle with half a litre of antifreeze. Good. It will appeal to the Margaret Hat loonies who love a bit of cheap hooch to start the day and their cars with and their pickups with. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. right. And Trump Eric, nuts. it's just it's just come up chance for Eric and, and, he, and he can't wait for his dad. Love you, love dad, dad. To finally turn around and say, well done, son, and give him a big hug. Yeah, It'll be nah. just like that fishing trip Donald didn't take him on that Eric thinks about all the time. He was busy. Trump wines. Remember them by name and buy a couple of cartons to impress your friends and let Eric finally have the father's love he craves. Do love it. You, Eric. Yeah, good lad and a good-looking boy indeed. He is and he's, he's a very, very good-looking boy and you can't take him out in the sun, but – uh, we uh, the show wouldn't be the show without this. And there's a man who does go out in the sun and recommends everyone else do it. And, and stare uh, at it. Yeah, and just stare at it. Just Literally stare constantly stare at, at this giant, gigantic yellow ball in the sky. And we're not uh, kidding. Pete does actually suggest to stare at the sun. That's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Look, that's just look. That was just one week in the in in the life of Pete Evans. Many many uh, many many weeks ago, he's had so many. He's had so many, <laughs> and they're all so big. And here we are, about to kick off. I would think it's probably the, the biggest week in Pete Evans of all time. It's been fucking huge. It is... The Week in Pete Evans. Put your almonds out for Pete. He's off Facebook. Oh, Fuck me. Gone. It's he's been gone. a big week in Pete Evans. Huge. God could not have happened to a fucking nicer bloke. And as I said before, it almost seems like he was goading them on to kick him off the platform. Like, Pete might look like a fucking moron, like a himbo piece of shit, but he can't be that stupid. Maybe well, he Googled how to get kicked off Facebook. I mean, like, you know, alongside what's a fucking neo-Nazi. Well, there is- there, there was a, a line from uh, the Facebook crew, the Zuckerberg mob, uh, that said that he was being punted for uh, repeated breaches 
of uh, the terms and conditions of his posting. Yes. Yep, COVID misinformation. So Anderson oh, Cooper dear. didn't even get a fucking look there in. There was that. You know, I mean, there's a long list, uh, I suspect. I don't know how they felt about the neo-Nazi gear, um, but, but it's the anti-vaccination, fucking, yeah. it's the anti-vaccination misinformation that they've uh, particularly cracked down on. And so, Pete has disappeared, uh, toddling off to Parler and Telegram where about 12 people talk and uh, and this uh, this probably means oh, if I was going to put a put a dollar figure on it, I reckon he's probably lost about half a million bucks this week. It's kind of like that, but the thing is, he's still got his fucking Instagram followers, two hundred seventy nine thousand red pilled lunatics that has who to are end. hanging on his every image. That's got to end. And Instagram is owned by Facebook. We've been through this before. Yeah, but when it comes down to it. His time on Instagram is limited. He is egregiously smashing their fucking terms and conditions. He is stepping over the line, drawing petrol across it, setting it on fire, pissing on the petrol fire, which is just making it spread because the petrol's made of oil. And when you piss on petrol fires, everyone oh, yeah. knows this. It just gets bigger. I yeah. mean, it's just lots of fire. You need, you need, you need a fire blanket for that. Yeah, a fucking a. But the thing is, is the fire blanket is in the hands of those. Fucking negligent motherfuckers. But let's face it, let's not look a gift horse oh, in the mouth. I'm, I'm, His I'm, deletion was good. I'm hopeful uh, it will come this week. Uh, look, uh, look, I, I, I saw a lot of uh, nonsense being uh, written about this, uh, sort of, uh, and it may have generated, been generated from some of Pete Evans' loyal followers. I don't know. Mm. But there was this... There was this grave concern that he was being censored. Now, let me That's explain bullshit. this. Let me explain how basically just the fundamentals of free speech. Now, first, is, first off, we don't really have a constitutionally enshrined free speech here uh, no. in this country. Um, but the, the best way of thinking of free speech is uh, if you gave Pete Evans a soapbox and let him go out to the park and stand up on his soapbox and rip in with all these mad neo-Nazi anti-vaxxer nonsense, that's going to be fine. The f- the fact that that's not, he would not be censored for doing that. I mean, he may fall afoul of the law in terms of being considered uh, to have committed a, an offence, uh, offensive behaviour, sort of public yeah. order stuff. But really, essentially, he's allowed to do that. What he's not allowed to do as of this week is go on to Facebook anymore. And that's yep. a different thing because when every when anyone gets on the Facebook, they do so acknowledging and agreeing to their their terms and conditions terms and regulations. That's right. That, that's their terms of service. So what we have here is not a, uh, a censorship issue. This is not censorship at all. This this is basically you know there is no innate uh, human right to be published. Right? No. Let, 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 let's just let's just start off on that. You can grab the soapbox, pop down a local park, and just start jawing off. And good luck to you. As long as you're not uh, behaving too, uh, not like, terrifying the kiddies, you, you'll be able to get away with that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's your free speech. The Absolutely. idea is the idea that, that that Evans has been silenced is a nonsense. What what his publisher in this case Facebook has said is, "Sorry, champ, you've breached." You've breached our rules repeatedly and you can't play here anymore. You can go play somewhere else. The irony of this is that private property and the rights of companies to do as they please is like the right-wing playbook. The lefties are the ones who are there saying we should all nationalize everything and make it so it's somewhat democratic and there should be all this sort of bullshit going on. These motherfuckers are talking about free speech while still 
extolling the virtues of uh, conservative thought. I'm sorry, you can't have both. You either fully respect the autonomy of companies or you change your ideology. You cannot have both, Yes, Pete. Put your very, red very hat down. You Dude, have have no right to be published. That is, uh, and, and, and if you don't believe me, uh, send off your uh, manuscript to uh, Penguin Random House. Uh, I've published a, a book with them. Uh, they're lovely people, by the way. Actually, don't do this because it'll really annoy them. But if you yeah. want, <laughs> send off send off uh, a, a, an unwelcome manuscript to them and say and say, look, uh, you know, you you didn't publish it. You have impinged on my free free speech. Please don't ask for credit. Refusal <laughs> may offend. Don't don't do that to the good people. They're, they're very nice people. It's- it's quite pathetic. I mean, like the guy is, you know, in those sort of dying throes of relevance in the yeah. public stage. And I think torching his Facebook was one of those things that he was going to use as a platform to whinge about being censored. But it, when his Instagram goes, and I'm not saying if, I'm saying fucking when, yeah, his parlor right. has like 8,000 people on it. This yeah. guy is drowning this, in irrelevance right yeah, now. Yeah, he, he's just about to go. Oh, my tip, by the way, before we wrap this segment, is that it, his Instagram will go down, I'm going to say, around the start of the new year. I mean, I in, in the, in the so. first week. In the first week. I think there's, there, there's just been an issue in terms of, well, I'm just trying to think that there's probably a technical issue that they're getting around there. That, bit of paperwork. Yeah, a little bit of paperwork. And once that's filed, then once that goes in, uh, then uh, see you later, Pete. Uh, go and, and also- Go and chat to your mad mates on parlour. One last thing there as well. By the way, Pete, uh, just a little personal message. If you get a fucking bitch and moan and fuck on about being censored and free speech, how about you don't delete comments, you fucking wanker, <laughs> you narcissistic child? Because the thing is, if you actually advocate free speech, you wouldn't silence people that say anything in opposition to you. We've all tested this. There is a blocked by Pete Evans Facebook group that has 20,000 people in it. <laughs> you are an insecure fucking child and you need to grow the fuck up and start putting your money where your mouth is and actually engaging with opposing voices because all you do is post misinformation, delete dissent and basically behave like a cult leader. Well, Fuck you, look, Pete. I that, cannot that, wait to see the back of you. That, that aside, Joel, we do love Pete Evans. And, uh, of course and, we do. He's, he's gorgeous. He's, look at those eyes. I know. I know. I could just, Fucking dreamy. I could just melt in those eyes. And no, then, I yeah, actually like keto food. Uh, and so, look, uh, we just wanted to kick on. I mean, we were very concerned when he was deplatformed on Facebook that this might actually be the last week in Pete Evans. I think no. we're going to get there. I think we'll get there in 2021 when Pete just – you know, he's he's kicked to death by a horse, or something. Something horrible happens, and uh, and that's kind of the end of Pete Evans once and for all. I um, make a pledge right now that if he gets completely deplatformed, and we'll still have him on Parler and Telegram because they're weird, I will pay the ten dollars a month to go on Evolve to get you the inside scoop I think of we need what to see this that. fuckhead is up to. Excellent work. And we'll, Excellent we'll start work. a Patreon to make you guys pay for it ultimately, but I'll take the credit for paying for it. All right. Well, that's a promise, and you're on. Uh, so you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host, Jack Insider, and Joel Hill. Yes, it has been quite a long episode. <laughs> if, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, and if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can still be found on Twitter on yes. at Jack the Insider. Hasn't changed in the last two hours. Joel <laughs> on at Crunchy Moses. Haven't changed in the last two hours. No, and uh, we have set up a Facebook page, which you can find fairly easily if you Google, you know, put the, the condition release program in fucking Facebook, you know. And finally, 
All feedbacks, tips and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if it's simply to invite us to have a very long lunch at Comet Ping Pong. I'd have a go at table tennis with you, Joe. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing, mate. Hey, thanks, guys. You were troopers to get this far. Thank you. Well done. Thank you very much. Sorry. Take care. (laughs) See you next week for around maybe an hour. And if any of the material you've listened to today has caused you concern, please reach out and speak to someone. Don't wear the burden alone. Uh, give a call to Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue uh, on 1300 224 636. Good starting points there.